recording. Welcome to Sponsored by Nobody. This week, sponsored by... And now I'm blanking. Oh man, I came up with so many good ones right before this. They were really good. I, I swear they were good. Sponsored by Thought it? Trains. Yeah, sponsored by Thought Trains. They, they leave crack. the station. Sponsored <laughs> by Defoliant. It's never enough. <laughs> I was going to say, like, sponsored by Talent. We finally found some. We now have a guest star. Um, but yeah, I'm Ian playing the Firefly, and we have uh, Austin playing Zitsi Yaku, the, Z- the Chelicray. Uh, Bev playing Rook the Ardent. I'm Dylan, and I'm playing Jison the Gow. I'm Jonathan, and I play uh, Gomez the Ectus. And we have an amazing special guest star today, who is... Uh, yeah, I'm Felix, and I created the game, I guess. Felix yeah. So... I mean, not single-handedly, other people helped, but uh, <laughs> yeah. I'd say probably the most high-up guest star we could ever have for this game. I'll, I'll take that accolade, thank you. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't think we could get a better guest star than the creator. That's... Oh no, you could probably get Rick. Rick is, would be a pretty good guest star. He's run more games than I have. Well, what are okay. we doing here? Let's call up Rick and see if he can... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> be in the right time zone as well. Okay, guys, uh, that's the episode. It was nice talking to everybody. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Special three-hour live stream next week with Rick. Yeah. <laughs> um, excellent. Now that we've uh, completely humiliated our guest star, we should hey. uh, bombard him with we some questions. We haven't done that completely yet. We, we, there's still some ground we could cover. Oh, yeah, you've got a few hours to completely humiliate me. <laughs> he hasn't paid us enough for the uh, good humiliation. I mean, frankly, if he's not weeping, I don't know what I'm doing here. Right? Right. If he's not weeping, we're not doing our job. Exactly. I'll keep that in mind when I start to tear up. Yep. <laughs> that would really help. <laughs> Is that like the spicy food kind of thing? Like it's only good spicy food if you're weeping? I yeah, think you that's, gotta, that, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Well, considering yeah. we're doing an interview and spicy food, does that mean this is hot wings? Are we are yes. we covering mm. someone else's territory now? Are we? Yeah, we're gonna get hit with a copyright infringement. So no, because no, it's emo- it's emotional burning. Mm. Uh. No milk required, unless you want it. <laughs> but suggested. Yeah. <laughs> um. Okay, so I guess the first thing to kind of say off the bat is uh, we sent Felix the episodes in advance because they aren't technically live yet. And Felix has wonderfully devoted all of his time into listening to most of the episodes. So we we really appreciate that, honestly, and are thankful for him listening to our ramblings. But there may be some spoilers ahead. Sorry. And Rook has gone offline. Oh, no. <laughs> Rest in peace. Bev, can you hear me? Fell beneath the seat. Bev, why? Okay, I'm going to stop this and I'll download the intro and then we'll try again in a minute. Sorry. <laughs> um, actually, yeah, about talking about the Kickstarter, what made you decide on a D6 system versus like a D8 or a D12, a D10, or the dreaded D20? So, do you do you want the the good answer or the true answer? Ooh. Do we have to the, pick one? Should we roll for it? Oh, I suppose you could have both. Yeah. Um, 
the good Chang. answer is I, I I love the the simplicity, the the elegant simplicity of a D six system. I think you can get a lot of mileage out of out of a well constructed dice pool, um, and there's a lot of small mechanics that you can kind of play with to to kind of fudge probabilities in different ways. That's the good answer, which makes me sound like one of those horrible people that thinks about these things and is completely <laughs> not true. The real answer is that I was living in Japan when I did most of the work, and it's really hard to find polyhedral dice in Japan. Huh. I've heard that, yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, that Japan uses a lot of D6s. Yeah, it, it's got... Uh, um, some of their local games use, like, D66 systems and things, so they just mm-hmm. have a lot of D6s on hand as opposed to any other size of die. Yeah, it's a, it's a neat little bit of trivia. It's funny that you mentioned like the whole probability side because I just I was reading through that whole thread where they were discussing dice rolls. Oh God! On yeah. the Discord, <laughs> <laughs> I don't you know God in the back. No, I kind of do. I just probability scares me. Math scares me in general. Oh yeah, that whole thread was horrifying. I was like, how they didn't teach me this proper math in anything? Yeah, <laughs> Honestly, sorcery is this. I, I I loved it as as a probabilities guy. Yeah, I know I loved it. I'm, no, I'm sorry. No. I I hate it. It's, I'm glad other people will devote their time towards making sure that my dice system works. And even then, say my dice system is very proprietary in a very unfair way, seeing that the essentially the blades in the dark dice system with some changes works. So yeah, I mean, power by the apocalypse, oh, like. You know, ben, is are thing. you back? Oh. Yeah, I am. Yes. I, I'm moving myself. Okay. And, you know, so, a lot of games are just okay. like, oh, we just yeah, use that sorry. with changes. And, I am the weak yeah. That's fine. They're all their own games. Well, back at, back in the very old days, it used to be a hybrid D6, D12 system. That <sighs> sounds really? so with fun. With Thaco? Madness. Um, sadly, no Thaco. But it was, it was a D6, D12 system where D6s were essentially kind of like levels of success and D12s were whether you succeed or not. And it kind of interacted in various ways. Uh, but mm-hmm. then I realized, A, I was just doing it to be different. And mm-hmm. B, didn't have any D12s anymore. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. That's not, not everyone can have a chainmail dice sack. Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I get excited whenever I come up with an idea for a D12 system, and then I remember that uh, D- D12s aren't sold in sets <laughs> the way yes. that like, D10s are, and I'm like, oh, it's a, hang on. It's a real pity, because D12s are one of the most satisfying die to use. Like, they they're just I, great to roll. I definitely oh. agree. D12s are definitely underutilized. Super underutilized. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it's actually kind of amazing, because I sit here and I, like, I tend to think of Felix as like, like a mythical unicorn, you know, like with all this like role playing power where he like has constructed this whole world, not like a guy who has trouble accessing 12 sided dice. Yeah. A lot of people have this weird, I don't know. I'm just some guy like every now and then someone will turn up and go, Oh, you're, you're Felix. You made the world. See, I saw that Kickstarter it did pretty well. Like it's really cool to meet you. And I'm like, Oh, Thanks, that's great. But then they ask questions about things, about other games. I'm like, I have no idea. I was essentially living as a hermit. I was only introduced to things like Powered by the Apocalypse and Blades and all that stuff, like, what, three years ago-ish? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. It just dug like, right in. Before that, it was all Call of Cthulhu and Pathfinder. Like, God, that was all I ever played. Yeah. Um. And I, I enjoyed yeah. them. And 3.5, mm-hmm. obviously, but, you know, that's a... Um, the beast unto itself. Yeah. Yeah. But I enjoyed them. And then I, I got into the Rogue Elements podcast, which was doing... Um, 
what was it? Made by Pelgrane Press. Um, 13th Age, which was okay. wonderful. Um, and that led me on to listen to some of their other stuff, and that led me on to other games. And then, yeah, my, my world kind of diversified massively in terms of games, and I realized that I could I could kind of cannibalize bits I enjoyed from other systems. And um, I've said it on some previous podcasts before, but I always feel a bit bad saying it. I realized that a lot of the stuff I was doing in isolation in terms of mechanics and narrative feeling was stuff that other games had already done and been successful with and done it far better than I could. So I just looked at those things and went, oh, I can use that. <laughs> so, you know. Yeah, no, there's... There are so many games out there, and it's it is neat to hear that you know you you listen to a random podcast or a, you found a podcast that you liked, and all of a sudden it took you from just playing one or two styles of games to seeing a dozen other games out there. Oh yeah, it's definitely. The amount well, of indie games and yeah, different ones coming onto the market every day is incredible. Mm-hmm. Before the Wild Sea existed as a setting. Uh, when it was just a kind of set of mechanics made for generalist play, um, I'd never really considered the the concept of of creating a setting focused game because most setting focused games I'd run into um, were you know things like Ravenloft settings for existing systems anyway, um, yeah. and they never really grabbed me. Um, but then I heard uh, I think it was one shot do a playthrough uh, a one shot oddly enough of Belly of the Beast. <laughs> by Ben Dutter, and that is incredibly setting-focused um, and massively underplayed. I think Belly of the Beast is one of the, the nicest, tightest setting and mechanics into play as I've seen in a role-playing game. Um, and that is all about the setting. You're inside a giant creature which has eaten the world. <laughs> Survive in its gut. Okay. <laughs> Done. Yeah, and I just realized, like, hey, you could make a really cool setting-focused game by just having a really strong core premise and throwing a few details in there. Yeah, and you you definitely have done that with the setting because it's it's very it's Waterworld but with trees. Yeah. I was I was thinking I was like you know I love Waterworld and when I saw this I was just like it's I love, it's so I love evocative the setting of Waterworld. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> yeah. No, I have no shame. I, I love the movie Waterworld. I will not. So, so when are we discover that? Um, so, so at what point are we going to discover that Tum Tums has the map to not dry land on his back? Preferably yeah, I, not. I, I, the skin farm like doesn't like to taint its skin. Yeah. Okay. Don't, don't feel too bad because like I liked Kevin Costner in The Postman, and I have a DVD of it somewhere. Ah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so no, it, the settings definitely, it is interesting. Like, and you know, you have a narrative based like system, so it allows for a lot of improv, even with the setting, like in your book, I think you, you're doing, I mean, I know some of it's still redacted, but you have at least four reaches now, I think in the book. Um, uh, I think there's five in the book currently, but I don't think the okay. fifth one has been. I, I would say the number we're aiming for, but that might change. You never know. Yeah, no, no. That's <laughs> I, as I say. I know some of it's redacted and not yet spoiled, so yeah. I was just trying to. Um, but yeah, five. You have five reaches in the book, and they all have just a bunch of lore and awesome stuff in them. And yet, in our game, we, I think we saw 
almost a half dozen reaches I created or we mm. created together mm -hmm. because we, I kind of had us moving greater distances and farther things and just, we really liked um, spitballing ideas. And actually, I don't know if you noticed this, Felix, but I stole that from you. Um, I, I mean, no probs. <laughs> <laughs> we, um, we, like, you hosted a game for some people way back when the Kickstarter first launched. And I was in one of those games. And you started the game with a prompt asking, like, what do you think the leaves look like in this reach? What do you think the berries are? What do you think the animal is? And what's like a local landmark sort of thing? Mm. And I've carried that through almost every every time we've gone to a new reach, I've asked our players. And that's really helped us shape our world together instead of just me saying this is what it is. Yeah, I, well, I find that kind of stuff really... Um, both important and interesting. And I think it really suits the tone of the game as well. It, it puts yeah. it spreads the world out around the table in terms of agency rather than throwing it all on the on the GM. Yeah, mm -hmm. and that's really we really enjoy that. I mean, if I don't know if you've listened to any of other <laughs> podcasts or anything, but we play a lot of like fellowship and other like fiction first narrative systems where we do a lot of creative stuff. In fact, in many of our episodes, we rarely roll dice. I felt kind of bad because we filled out your the questionnaires about, you know, how did how did this session go and what did you roll and what things did you use? But we, like some sessions we rolled a lot and other sessions, like there was one session we didn't roll any dice. And <clears throat> yeah. That does not bother me in the slightest. I think if you're, I mean, I've done, I've done the same thing as well in some of the games that I've run and played in at the Wild Sea. Like, if if you're engaged enough with the setting and the narrative that the dice kind of fall away and the mechanics just fall by the wayside, you're still having fun playing the game and you're still having fun telling your story, and that's the main thing. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, like depending on what's going on, I actually just like kicking back and just being like, no, like we don't really need to roll dice. We can just have fun. This is fine. Yeah. Um, I think I managed to play in the interregnum during the winter train playtest during B. Mm -hmm. oh, that yeah. was cool. This it was so different from the stuff we'd played in our campaigns. Mm -hmm. I think I was with you on that one. Yeah, I think you were in one of the camp, one of the plays we did in that one. Yeah, we. Um... We like dove under a ship that was charging at us or something, and like it was like the ship was charging at us as part of one of somebody on their ship's uh, like uh, rights or something, like a, a right of adulthood or something. Like you have to charge that ship, but mm. we didn't know that. So all we knew was that there was a ship that was basically actually no, it wasn't basically. It was literally a bull running on the trees. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. At us, <laughs> we we're like, well, it's just. Go under this one. <laughs> yeah, the Interregnum was actually the first Reach ever made, although it was very different back then. Hmm. Yeah, I think when I played in it, it still wasn't quite settled down how it was going to be yet. Yeah, well, there was there was no snow in the old days. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. And that's a, a huge core premise of the Interregnum now. It was, uh... yeah. yeah. Shame about that climate yeah. change. <laughs> yep, that's the way it goes. <laughs> Wild sea, slowly dying world. <laughs> um, Sometimes quickly. <laughs> That, yep. that leads us into a good question. 
because uh, you have such a vibrant and interactive Discord. And I've seen a bunch of, you know, the community posts are amazing. How much has that influenced the game? And how, like, what is it like, you know, I guess, just being the creator of this thing and looking at how many people and how many different opinions and topics and art and stories and just everything thrown at it. I absolutely love it. And at the same time, it is entirely terrifying. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I just, I, I can't put it into any more succinct words than that. It's, like, do you ever, do you ever like propose an idea and then just, walk away from your phone or your computer and then come back and they're like, see five or six people just jump on the idea. And you're like, why am I, why am I even writing? I, Oh yeah. Almost, <laughs> almost every time I bought something up, it was specifically to have some time away and watch people after I've come back, having threshed all this out and over kind of talked it over with each other and then go, here's what we thought. Here's the process. Here's all our ideas. And, and what do you think Felix? And I'm just like, it's great. It's cool. <laughs> <laughs> Thank um, you for doing all the legwork. Yeah. <laughs> it's it was a weird balance though, especially in the the kind of early point of the Discord when it started getting a bit more popular and we had world building was by far the most um popular channel for people to to kind of spitball and throw ideas around him, which was great. Uh but it also made me worry that I shouldn't be reading it in case I'm influenced by it. Um but I kind of got over that reasonably quickly. Because I realized that when people were talking about things, it wasn't stuff that they wished I'd made. It was stuff that they'd enjoyed making themselves. So they were filling in gaps that were left or like concepts that they wanted to, to be addressed. But I didn't have to address it the same way they did. So if everyone was talking about like, oh, where does I mean, water was one of the big ones. Like, how is water collected? Where does water come from? How is it traded? How is it, you know, all of that stuff. And there were the fantastic ideas. But I didn't feel the need to go like, oh, I wish I'd had that particular idea myself because I could have my own ideas, throw them in, and if people didn't like them, hey, people have already got other ones to look at. Like they, they've already got their own stuff. Um, so that was that, that was really nice coming to the realization that I I wasn't beholden to the ideas people threw out on the Discord. It was just more of a an inkling of this is the kind of thing people want to see. These are the areas I haven't addressed well enough, etc. I guess that's a big bonus of being such a narrative-driven system. Mm, definitely. Is people can do what they want with it just using your core rules and just playing well, with the, it themselves. Um, one, of the, one of the best games I've played where I was a player rather than the Firefly, I believe it was run by uh, Talion, who is, oh, amazing. Um, and it was a, a kind of Iron Chef-style tournament. <gasps> oh, I listened to that one. That yeah, was it was it was yeah. amazing. It was just a really really fun game to play. Um, almost all took place in one tiny spit. Uh, no real exploration or journeying, but they didn't need to be because we had this tiny story to tell, and we got super invested in it. I loved it. So it is a it's a it's a flexible system by dint of being narrative. Um, like it's it's just one of those happy accidents of design, I guess. <laughs> so, um, I, uh, if if I may, Jonathan, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, just yeah, that 
I'm kind of I'm kind of old. I played a lot of 3.5 back in the day. Um, nice, I so did a I. Bit, a bit <laughs> yeah. of a bit of Pathfinder, but I mean, I find it hard to get into um, role playing systems that kind of pigeonhole you into their setting at the same time, right? Like the setting tries too hard to fill in all of those gaps for you, and in in the exact opposite way, the Wild Sea has all these great and fantastic outlines that make it really easy for your brain to fill in all those gaps and make it like your own interpretation of what's going on. And this has been the only role-playing system where, that I've played probably at least in the last decade where I have actually completely gone into just role-playing. You know what I mean? Like when we're all sitting here as a group and we're playing as a group and as you say, the dice don't come out, we're just spitballing ideas back and forth and laughing our heads off and just having a really, really good time with it. And I'm like, that's honestly so magical. That's not something you can just find anywhere these days. Yeah, I, I've heard that from a lot of people, and it always makes me really happy when I do. Um, I think having a strong and simple core premise to the setting really helps with, and, and to the, the kind of characters themselves. Um, trying to say this in the nicest way. To keep it as simple as possible is the best way to have people interact with it and kind of lose themselves in it. And that's not to say kind of, you know, you can't do complex things for players. It's just that I prefer it when I give the simple stuff and the players do all the complex things themselves because they can they can kind of get into the complex stuff and, and enjoy it and they make it their own. And that's great because it encourages role play and it encourages just table conversation. Yeah. It's kind of um, impressive how many things that... Like this game does that I've wanted in a game and have actually been like kind of vocal. Like I wish games would do this. And then I just kind of, I think Ian said, mentioned it like, Hey, I'm running this game. So of course I jumped on because I, I like this podcast a lot and was like, oh, I, I would love to be a cast member. <laughs> and then I read the book and was like, Oh, Oh, you did the things that I, I wanted. This is good. This is great. And I did back it. I, I did. I looked it up. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like I, I like in D and D, they're like, "Oh, you could pick like a, a background and a class and like a, a, a race that you are." And I'm like, "Okay, but what what are these like? What does each thing give you?" And they're like, "A couple of things." Whereas you're like, "Hey, you you pick like a what like what you are, where you grew up." And uh, what you did. Yeah. And all three of those things equally contribute to what you are and who you are and what your stats are. And I'm like, that's what I've been wanting. This is great. <laughs> so uh, thanks. Thanks for that. That's good. No, that's, I'm like, glad um, you enjoy it. <laughs> it looks like the flexibility of it. It's like, if I can't figure out how to do what I want, it's really just like, all right, well, wh what is the book not offering and how can we just like add a new thing in? Like, could could adding one new aspect make this concept possible? Yes or no? Like, it's usually yes. Yeah, I've seen a lot of people have come up with their own aspects and things, and um, it's one of those things where I I've looked at some of them and thought, oh, I don't know if I'd have written it that way, but I've never looked at one and thought that is a bad aspect. Mm -hmm. Like, and I, I think that's really good because it means that the aspect rules, I mean, not to toot my own horn too much, it means they're <laughs> simple enough and easy to grasp enough that people can take them and run with them and twist them into something that they can 
make something truly unique for themselves without breaking the general rules of the game or without breaking the kind of flow of, of how the rules work. When you added the, um, just directly in the manual, when it's like, hey, for six, effectively six points, you can combine two aspects, any two aspects that you can reasonably combine. And that just sort of like flicked a switch in my brain where I'm like, oh, it's on now. <laughs> right? Like, what is, what is the most abhorrent thing that I can combine two of these aspects into, right? Like, and it just, it gives it so much uh, flavor. It acts as its own springboard for ideas. Well, so cool. <clears throat> back in the old days, um, again, before the Wild Sea was the Wild Sea, aspects didn't exist, um, or, or rather they did, but only as components of rigs, which were, I think, I think that's still what they're called now. I haven't looked at the rules for a while. Um, but yeah, they, they existed as parts of larger things. You couldn't take a single aspect. You had to combine them as part of creating your character. Um, but the, the concept in the end was, was dropped for a while because it just made things too complex. Um, and then brought back in the, hey, once you've played with some aspects for a while and you've got a good sense of your character, it is time to combine them and, and do with them what you will. So, it's interesting because yeah. it's like it's like why would I combine these if I could just pick a new aspect? But mm. then it's like oh, but wait now now these two really cool aspects that each only had like two slot or two boxes now have a four box for both of them. Yeah, mm. having, <laughs> having, having those longer tracks on yeah. single things can be really useful. And I also I also love the fact that when you combine these things, it, it gives you a chance to narratively reflavor them, and that lets you grab advantage dice in ways that you wouldn't otherwise expect. A, a great example of that is uh, Zitzi's uh, Chimeric Amalgam. Yes. Yeah. Which is it's, very spoily, if I remember rightly. Is it? Was it? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I like yeah. mushrooms. You know, <laughs> mushroom spider bird. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a good one. Um, a spore is just a... a layer you use to avoid drying out. <laughs> yes. We're gonna take a quick pause here because Bev dropped again so sorry oh. and we're back okay <laughs> um, yeah a lot of technical difficulties of course on the episode where we're trying not to have any technical difficulties <laughs> as is tradition <laughs> yeah that's fine as as I'm, pause, I'm happy I, yeah. I just want sorry I just want to make sure you can you guys hear me because I don't see myself yes. Going up, okay. yes. Uh, yes okay 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 um Perfect. So we were in our little off talk while we were waiting for the program to restart and everything. We were discussing how, you know, adding extra things to the system just to make it more complex isn't necessarily a good idea. And I yeah, agree with essentially. That. Yeah. <clears throat> I think or at least leaving it up to the players to make it complex themselves. Yeah. 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 Well, one of, the, one of the things that we've been um, testing a little is slightly, not I suppose not more complex, but slightly more in-depth rules for resource management as far as ships and journeys are concerned. Um, because it's been brought up by a few different playtesters that journeys can feel, especially if you are um, a kind of exploration-focused group, it feels like you're getting too much out of them without any real danger other than damage to the ship. Um, which I think is fair. So I'm playing with some some extra rules for that, but like I, I think they're going to end up as sidebar rules. 
And this is not me beholding myself to anything in the future, just in just so you know. Yeah, yeah. But they they may end up they may end up um, as sidebar rules, things that like, hey, here are some systems that you can use if you want to add this layer of something onto your game, rather than me rewriting the entirety of journeys to to make this extra thing part of the core experience, because yeah. it just some groups don't need that, and it's much easier to say, here are the basics, and then here's some extra stuff, than here is this system that you then have to kind of cut down if you want to make it work for your table. No, exactly. And I mean, in we did a two-episode part where we did a journey to try and get, before we got to the skin farms, they had to go through a long journey. And I don't know if you remember, but I, I really tried to make journeying as unfun as possible because I <laughs> wanted to break the system. <laughs> <laughs> And so I, I broke the entire journey down was broken into boxes of days and each box of day was broken into boxes of hours. Not like, like I think each box was four hours. Mm -hmm. And so every time they did like a movement, it was either one box of movement or two boxes of movement. And then anytime they did an action that wasn't a movement, it took up a box of time and sleeping took up a box of time. And like, I really tried to make it finicky and hard and not, fun mm. and we ended up really enjoying the episode so much that it became a two-parter episode that's that's a successful failure i guess yeah, yeah. i remember because we, we were like let's let's try to see what this can do like, like let's really take this up for a spin and we had a good time mm -hmm. yeah to to the point where that could have been like four or five episodes and a full journey thing with a time crunch and it would have felt like narratively important and there would have been stakes because like as the players were going through the boxes that meant their time was going down and like yeah it added an element that it was neat i don't think i would use it every time for sure but as i say i tried to push it to make it as granular and unfun as possible but it didn't make it unfun so task failed successfully yeah, yeah task failed successfully I, I like also liked having it a little bit more codified of like this is how much time this section takes so like in one day you basically have three travel actions where you can do stuff which means that do, saying like hey i'm going to drop anchor is an option like you could say like hey i'm going to drop anchor so we can all like heal or fix the ship or something and then get moving again and it's not like you're spending an entire day doing that yeah and that's that is the neat thing about a fiction like a narrative system where because as you say you haven't quantified certain rules deliberately so that players can lend themselves to you know, I want Dropping Anchor to take a full day and I want it to be a little exploration period or I just want Dropping Anchor to be an action and it's done, I don't want to bother with it. And that's a nice flexibility for players. Yeah, I, flexibility is definitely what I aim for as far as the rules are concerned. And in some places they are a little too flexible, um, but, you know, it's being worked on. But I don't want to make them too rigid because I think a flexible rule set just lets you play with them more easily as you're setting up what's happening in the game if that makes sense um, yeah 
keeping keeping things as simple as possible lets you add the complexity yourself, which means that they are more easily tailored to whatever you're doing, and I think that's important. I completely agree. I I 100% agree with that sentiment. That's exactly how I feel about it. Like every single thing that we've run into where we're like, hmm, this is too loose or we don't know exactly how this functions. We've found a placeholder just being like, yeah, we just do something like this. And then they were like, okay, no, actually that's really good. Let's just roll with it. And then it just became part of the system for the, however long that rule was necessary. Right. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've had a lot of fun with some very crunchy games every now and then. Um, but I've rarely had varied experiences with them that don't, force the system to work in slightly awkward ways because very crunchy games typically have systems that are geared towards a few specific things to either accurately recreate or at least give a sense of fun to these particular actions um and that's great if those are the actions you want to take and while i was playing those games that was great as well but like there is a certain flippancy i guess in me that makes me want to occasionally do uh and i a kind of master chef iron chef crossover thing or <laughs> battle of the bands or you know what are we doing this what are we doing this episode oh we're just climbing a mountain you don't even build a ship just go for it um <laughs> you know and keeping the rules flexible means that you can do those things a lot more easily and i just enjoy that actually that leads into another question um because the system is so flexible and wonderful in that regard. We've actually, we're going to be running starting next week, I think. Uh, next, Not next week for listeners, next week in real time for us. I have no idea when it would be for listeners. Sorry. Um, but next week for us, we're going to start running a monster game using the Wild Sea system. Oh, I'd like to be told about this. This sounds fun. Yeah. <laughs> so we have... Um, I can link you later on, but we've edited the character sheet and we've taken out all of the languages because as much as I enjoy languages in the Wild Sea, it wasn't particularly what we were going for in this game. Yep, that's fine. Languages are and, a, a finicky beast. Yeah. And They've so come up a lot on the Discord. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, they have. <laughs> I like them. I will say that and we can move on. Um, but... <laughs> We, I uh, I stopped paying attention for like a second. Well, what are we talking about? The, we like we're, languages. We're, languages. Like okay, languages. okay. You like, like the languages, but can't speak them. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, are yes, we talking yeah, about yeah. skills? Oh no, Sanguine. we're talking about no. skills. Sanguine. 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 <laughs> I I tried. I tried to say that word. Okay, I really tried. <laughs> Why use many word when few word do good? Figure <laughs> is best word. Sea world. <laughs> you mean you're going to Sea World or you're gonna see the world? Sea world. Yes. <laughs> um so so we took out we we kept in uh here. Let, let me pull it up so I can at least know what I'm talking about. But our, our monster game, we've added in where languages were. Instead we've added in types so like elements so like water fire electric ice uh flying flora fauna mineral. no heart though what have no you heart. done to my boy <laughs> i know i know and Made he took a dip uh, in a pool of crez don't worry about it <laughs> <laughs> and we've we've allocated so types are for the 
so every person gets a monster and that's kind of like they're soul bound together or their their fates are intertwined or whatever kind of wording you want to use for that digi destined you know yeah yeah you, <laughs> yeah that's the um, word i want to use and i will so we we kept edges in so edges are for people all the creation and social skills are for people but combat can be shared by people or monsters and the movement detection and survival skills are shared by people or monsters and the types are just for monsters so when you're building your dice pool if you're using just your character like a person it's your edges plus whatever skill but if you're using your monster it's your type plus whatever skill that makes sense yeah and then aspects we've just kind of butchered some of the aspects and said oh this aspect kind of fits for this thing like i have um 1000 needles and i've just used that as a hedgehog aspect yeah yeah and so that's on my hedgehog versus on my character and we're gonna try and see how the system runs as a monster game hey, i say go for it like i am in full support of this i, I took by a thread so let's see how that goes <laughs> <laughs> I am um, actually one of the. I have a question based on yeah. this. Yeah. Um, when you say you're using the edges, are you using the same edges? We are currently using the same edges. I thought about making new edges, but that seemed like a lot of work and you already did it. So, so, so <laughs> let me tell you about the first person who got in touch with me to say like, hey, I hope you don't mind. I'm making a kind of hack of, of the wild sea uh, for like a kind of standard <laughs> fantasy type thing. And I was like, well, standard fantasy is not really my creative bag, but like I've played a lot of it. Um, and nothing wrong with it. I I like playing a half-orc. Don't know why, just happens to like <laughs> half-orcs. Um, show me what you've got. And he did, and it was pretty, pretty damn good, really. Um, and the first thing I said was like, "What are you going to do with the edges?" And he was like, "What? What do you mean?" He's like, "What? What are you going to make for the edges? How are you changing them?" He was like, "Oh, I wasn't. I wasn't going to." I was like, "Oh, oh, okay. I mean, you don't have to, obviously, but but it's what I would have done. <laughs> and of course, when I say it's what I would have done, we're talking about the thing I made. It was yeah. like, oh." No, uh, what do you suggest? Like, I was like, no, 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 no you don't, don't feel you have to. It's a, it's a thing, yeah. Um, but then I, I kind of, we talked it through a bit and just said, like, oh, here's why I chose the edges I did. Here's why they work for the Wild Sea as a setting. And here are some alternate ones that I almost used, but but didn't in the end. Um, and it, we chatted about it for a bit. And then a few weeks later, he came back um, and, and sent me a message on Discord and was like, hey, so I've got this new list of edges. Can I run them past you? And I was like, yeah, no problem at all. And he does. And inherently, they just felt better for what he was doing. And I asked him how he felt about it. He was like, they just feel better. And I was like, yeah, damn right they do. Because you've just (laughs) codified the basis of your world. Like, these are the ways your characters think about or interact with everything. Edges are, by definition... Uh, I shouldn't shoot myself in the foot by saying useless. Um, <laughs> the edges are by definition like, oh, you need 1d6, throw an edge in there, mechanically speaking. Like, they're they're super simple. But in terms yeah. of flavoring, they can be really important. Oh. Um, yeah, oh, definitely. Like, we've, we've used edges to flavor so many things differently than 
how it could have gone or how it should have gone. Yes. And they're, they're meant to be, they're by design, they're, they're catch-all. They just act as that essential 1D6. Because when you've got three edges, your character, you've chosen them for your character. Your character is normally doing something which matches at least one of their edges. Um, so it's, it's an almost guaranteed basic die. And that's great. But um, when you change them for a different setting, it, it, they need to, I would say... And my word is not gospel, despite the fact I made the game. Like you do what you like, but yeah. like I would say that those edges you choose, they should reflect the basic approaches or basic elements of that world. Um, oh, well, now you got me thinking, and I'm going to have to yell at Austin, and we'll have to. Yeah, I was just like, now I'm going to have to go through the entire list because the, the premise was like was supposed to be like current verdant wave type survival situation. <clears throat> There's survive a... the green tide in the modern age. I mean, so I, I can... obviously, I, I don't want to reveal too much about upcoming no, no. stuff that may never exist, obviously, because it's it's one of the, the kind of curse of, of doing this as a job now, <laughs> I guess, which I, I do, which is still very strange to think about, uh, is that I have to be thinking about what's coming next. And I've got the wild words. It's a nice engine. I should probably keep using it. Um, and I was thinking about if I was doing it in this kind of setting versus this kind of setting, uh, what edges would I do? And I just had a lot of fun going through making uh, kind of sets of seven edges that represented different settings. Actually, um, the, yeah, it's just, that, I, th I think it's important, personally. No, that, well, that's, that's a great idea, and it's something I didn't even think about. Well, it's like, it's kind of like how D&D &D has the six attributes where you have like your strength, which is. Uh, carrying capacity and how much you hit, and then you have your uh, dexterity, which does a lot of stuff. And then you have your charisma, which you know people kind of dump unless they want to be charismatic. <laughs> or um, I don't understand intelligence, that. I always which... pump everything into charisma, no matter what I'm. I, I usually play high charisma characters too. High charisma half right? orcs. That's my niche, indeed. Right? Oh yeah. And, well, yeah. I mean, like you know, high charisma druids all the time for me. Just yeah, all well, of that. Then you have like in five E, you have intelligence. People are like, "Well, I want to be smart," so they put points into intelligence, and then they're like, yeah. "Hey, we've been gaming for." Well, they're like, "Hey, I've been we've been gaming for like five months. I've never rolled intelligence. Um, <laughs> does this skill does this actually do anything?" And they're like, "Well, are you an artificer or a wizard?" No. Well, then why did you put points into it? Whereas Wild Sea, it's like, yeah, here's here's your seven edges. Um, they just represent how you do stuff. Yeah. None yeah. of them are how smart or pretty you are. They're just... It's your approach to the world. Yeah. yeah. And <laughs> as you say, like when you said codified, it's it's like a legend for the world itself. Okay. I, I yeah. use them for like um, everything so much I feel like I'm cheating. <laughs> no, but you're meant to. You are doing. I don't. It's like fine. I'm like, hey, can I can I add a dice to this roll? Because um, bullshit reason over here. Skills. <laughs> <laughs> no, what, it's not bullshit reason over here. It's epic narrative. It's epic. Yeah, I, I, I'm like, what can I pull out of yeah. the air? Yeah, to to suggest. The I mean, like, I'm using my brain. 
Right? That's something I love. That's something I really love about listening oh, to people play it. And, and you, you've now. all done it yourself as well. And I, I've loved listening to it. It's well, like, how can I get an extra die from this? From the mechanical side of right? things. But then as you go through your character sheet and you're like, oh, I could use this. Wait, I could use this. And then you get really enthused about it. And it, cha- it right. kind of adds that flavor to the scene. And it sends things off in an unexpected direction. Like, hey, oh, I love I, the, that the dog could help with this. And if the dog helps with this, then, you know, it's... The dog is always helping with it. Yeah. You you can hear it in the episode recordings, the moments of wild epiphany. (gasps) (laughs) Yeah, like, I love the feeling of, like, this is a Hail Mary. Uh, (laughs) I don't... Like, I'm definitely rolling one or two dice, taking the lowest. It's not going to be... Wait wait a minute. Wait a minute. There's something that can help me out with this. Okay, I I, I gotta die. Yeah, Tums Tums. Gosh, I loved it when I was like, Tums Tums, remember your training. Yeah, dude, hype. So good. Proceeds to flail like he's getting taken for the skin farm. um, There's nothing worse than having an epiphany idea. (laughs) Sorry. Before we actually started recording, we were discussing that episode where Tums Tums remembers his training. And I don't know if we said in that episode, but all of our guest star Doug's quotes were off of a quote generator. Like yeah. every word he spoke <laughs> in that episode was from a quote generator. I suspect oh, that after so a little well. while, I'm like, he's using a generator, isn't he? He totally is. I just thought he was being purposely opaque. Was or it like obtuse. a platitude generator or something? Well, I mean, when he's yeah, in the IRL, yeah, he has they, a yeah, it was a specific flavor. person. Yeah. <laughs> like I want to tell my coworkers to, or I want to tell my employees to work harder, but I want it to. I want to sound smart when I say it. Um, every 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 chance not taken to its fullest is a chance left on the floor. There we go. There we go. Perfect. <laughs> All right, everyone. There we go. Morning meeting over. You know what to do. Get to work. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I. Deepak Chopper. A... Anyone? Hmm. I said Deepak Chopper. Anyone? Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that the generator okay. he was using? Uh, I don't remember which one specifically he was using, but yeah, he, he came to me and he goes, Ian, I hope you realize that by asking me to guest star in your game, I'm going to be ridiculous. And I said, okay, sure. How ridiculous do you want to be? And he says, I'd like to do a character where everything is just a random generated quote that's inspirational in some way and somehow his crew exactly understands what he wants like they don't speak in quotes but they understand what he wants and i'm like okay let's do it let's let's see how it goes and yeah it turned into a absolutely ridiculous episode and the funny thing is is it worked so well (laughs) at, at the end of that episode after we finished and everything Doug messages me and he's like, you realize I won that episode. <laughs> and, and I asked him, I go, what, what do you mean? They got Tums Tums back. Like Tums Tums is safe. He's okay. You didn't steal Tums Tums. And he goes, but I did get the two ships because they left and fled. I can now go back and scavenge those two ships. And I was like, "Whoa, you were you were thinking long game here, like you." Now, now, now we we were gonna leave. A, we were gonna leave anyways, and B, uh, y- you told us a leviathan was coming. 
You can't well, lie. That's against the rule. <laughs> well, yeah. No, I, I did tell you scary things were coming. I wanted you guys to leave. But, like, Doug had fully fleshed out his, you know, one-shot character to the point where he had goals for that character three episodes <laughs> down the line when he wasn't even playing. I really want him to and, return. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. D- Doug will be back in season two, I'm sure. Spoiler alert. <laughs> you left these ships behind, and so I took them. Except, like said in a, in a just a way. Where, but we're like, yo, we we get it. Yeah, we know. No, we know. <laughs> but you gotta yeah. read the literature, um, man. There's yeah. actually some really good stuff in here. It's actually, it's, you know, yeah, I was you... thinking about it. it. Really helped me get through my day. <laughs> just start reading it to Tums Tums as a bedtime story. <laughs> Oh, no! <laughs> Do not read propaganda to your children. Uh, yeah, actually, talking about our episodes, uh, Felix, do you have any questions about or any like comments on some of the episodes we've done? Or so, as the creator, have we who's scared your favorite you? Favorite is, is what we want. No, I'm <laughs> oh, who my favorite is? Um, I mean, that is that is Tums Tums. I don't want to offend you. Okay, here, but <laughs> Tums Tums is easily the best. Um, I don't blame you. Tums Tums is fabulous. Yeah. And um, an original character. Yes, definitely. <laughs> extremely original. <laughs> we added an S. Not, not taken from any licensed property that has ever existed. Just like Rocky and Colt. Yeah, yeah. exactly like yeah. them. And the Delta Flyer. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I, lis- I listened to the other episodes a while back, and then I listened to uh, most of the more recent ones that were sent over uh, over the last kind of four days or so. Um. And I had forgotten about the Delta Flyer being mentioned. So as I was listening, I was like, <laughs> joke about the Delta Flyer. Ah, oh, great. Uh, oh, no, it's not a joke. It's, oh, it is called the Delta. Okay, okay, that's fine. Uh, I had to kind of reacclimatize myself to that. But the one thing that struck me listening again was the, the growing influence of Sornanas. Mm-hmm. Yes! I cannot remember the genesis of the Sornana, but like they are so ingrained in my head after the last few days of listening that they feel like a thing I made, but I didn't make them. Like they're not in the book, but they get talked about so much. They're just so utility. They're so, so terrifying. Yeah. So my my main question, uh, my my first main question: who who made the Sornana? Did. And, and it was me. Person. That was me. And to be fair, all of us were particularly hurt that day. We all chose bad things. It's true. There was also there was also a mountain on fire and some type of goat with no body and infinite legs. Legos. Oh, yeah. Legos. Oh, yeah. Legos. <laughs> you know what we could also call those is uh, Lego Moors, as uh, opposed to Lego Lesses. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I I love I love the Sonana. Like it's just fantastic. Yeah, and we've gotten it's... so much use out of it too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's... it's a quote unquote good fruit. Yeah, we're gonna have to go back and get more of those. That is one of the things that I think is a genuine strength, not of the system. This has nothing to do with the mechanics at all, but of the setting. And I, mm-hmm. it's one of the few things I'm genuinely proud of because I wrote it this way on purpose. And me writing things in ways on purpose is very rare. Uh, normally it's happy accident when something's good. But I specifically wrote 
the setting based around big, simple pillars and then the occasional small detail thrown in there. And then reaches, which are all the medium details, are off towards the end of the book. Like, yeah, you can use a reach, you can not use a reach, up to you. Do what you like. But, like, the sea is, full of, the sea is made of trees, there are ships, chainsaw prowls, that's all the big stuff. And then occasionally throw something in, like the slaughter melon, the spiky melon <laughs> with a grudge. And it's amazing how many sessions centered around one of those tiny details. And more more often than I would ever have expected, those tiny details have been dangerous fruit. And the Sornana yeah. is just adding to that uh, pile have, of dangerous fruit. I have an explanation for mine. Okay, go I for grew it. up reading the Piers Anthony Xanth books. Uh-huh. And mm-hmm. those are nothing but puns from cover to cover. <laughs> Like every pun you can think of, there's puns about people hugging real close to bring the stork. There's there's puns about pineapples being grenades. Uh, meats, you know, some meat, steak, tomatoes are actually steaks that grow on trees. And the the whole it's and then I just drew so much punnery from that. It's affected a lot of my jokes and the things I think up. Well, it like there's even the the only Pierce Anthony book I've read is The Dastard, and I don't know why I haven't read more. Hmm. I, I I just picked that one up randomly at the library, and then the next week, after I'd finished reading it, people were talking about it. I was like, oh, I've read that. They're like, no, you didn't, because it was high school, and that's what people do to, you know, gatekeep. Ugh. <laughs> you haven't read this book? And I'm like, well, okay, but sure. I, <laughs> I mean, but, but I did. I remember that. Yeah. Stupid well, let's ask you five questions about it. No. Yeah. Uh, t- talking about books, um, in the system, I know there's been a lot of talk on Discord about charts and how they're working and what you're doing with charts. Um, I, I think one of the big things that was discussed semi-recently was making charts for like the crafting and cooking kind of skills. So like yeah. making recipes. And also adding like language tags to charts to make languages tie into that a little more. What's your, I mean, without giving away too many spoilers and stuff, what's your thoughts on that discussion? Oh, well, I can't give away many spoilers because I don't know the answer, Um, (laughs) which I'm sure is not not the best thing for the creator of a thing to say. No, that's. I I think it's important to be honest sometimes. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, that's fair. It's yeah, it, an interesting topic. Charts are, charts are one of those things, or let me take it up a level. Resources are one of those things that made perfect sense on paper, and then in play, I started to see the imbalance. And once I'd seen the imbalance, it was hard to go back to the on paper version or on screen, I guess technically, and and mm-hmm. work out why I hadn't noticed there'd be such an imbalance, because. Salvage and specimens are the perfect mirror of each other. They are both used to create things. They are both found from the world around you. They are both easy to collect in various ways. They might be quite hard to find good ones. They are both uh, obviously expended in certain situations and can be used easily to, to kind of boost up a variety of roles. Like, all that stuff is simple. Salvage, specimens, great. And then charts of whispers felt felt like the same thing. Whispers were bits of information that existed inside your head. Charts were bits of information that existed in the real world. 
they both created new things, essentially. Whispers changed the world around you. Charts created places. I mean, not technically, but theoretically in terms of the mechanics. But then seeing them, the game being played pointed out the fact that you're only ever going to new places every now and then, whereas you can use a whisper whenever the hell you want. And mm-hmm. that is such a huge disparity in terms of the actual application, the narrative application of these mechanical objects, that charts yeah. do need some buffing up, uh, mm-hmm. just in we- terms of, of how they're used and how they interact with other systems and what they can do. But although there's been a lot of talk back and forth about it, and a few good ideas bandied around too, I have not yet settled on what I'm doing with them. I know, I know we started to explore that a little bit. Like we started to say, well, you know, chart, why, why do charts only have to be maps? And so I think that we started being like, hey, what, what if like recipes are also charts? Yeah, or, we, we pulled that from Discord. I, I forget who actually started it, but yeah, we, we have used that. It's actually something I've been using in a um, the redacted campaign <laughs> that exists, mm-hmm. um, where in the in their chart section, one of the characters currently has a scorpion, where the scorpion's tail points the way to a particular living storm, and like oh. it's it's not a chart, but it acts like a chart. It gets you to a place, um, so. You know, there's there's stuff I need to kind of play with, with the the definition of what a chart can be and what a chart can do. Yeah, I, I think I was in that one of those conversations. I, yeah. I, I tune in every now and then. Yeah. Um, like another idea that I think I pitched was like, what if charts are basically like a uh, a written whisper, and so whenever you need to find something by using a chart, you're basically saying, I know how to get to this place. Yeah. And then you can find it. And well, wisp, whispers themselves are a kind of unknown quantity in some way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because there are some... I, I love whispers. I love whispers too. And again, happy accident, believe me. Um, yeah, like... But like some some groups treat whispers as... Uh, I mean, they're, they're written as actual kind of living, almost semi-parasitic words that exist in your head or are occasionally bottled if you're some people, which is weird, but fine. Um and they are deployed and they have an effect on the world. But then other people treat whispers as more more chart-like. They are potential. These things already exist. These events would have happened. And the whisper is more of a meta resource to make sure it happens in the way you want it to happen. So there is this kind of conflict between the, the archonautic side of things and the more this is fate side of things, which I find quite interesting. And it's interesting to try and write for both of them at the same time. I love the idea that whispers are, um, they're not mysterious. Mm. It's, they exist. Everybody knows that whispers exist. Magic, magic exists. It's real. Nobody's going to be like, what? When you use a whisper, everybody's going to be like, oh yeah, that's a good whisper. Good job. To the point where you can just trade for whispers. You can go to a march, like a market and be like, Hey, I have these, uh, I have a, (laughs) I have these three Leg- Legos in a cage, and I will trade these for, uh, you know, for a whisper involving mm, involving the weather. And uh, that merchant could be like, yeah, I, I have one of those. <laughs> I have storms in the east. How, how about uh, that? Oh, I, yeah. I have, uh, I have um, bone dry luck. Like, ooh, yeah, okay, I could do some stuff with that. Cool. All right. 
<laughs> well, it's it's weird actually in a way that that you should say that um, whispers are kind of a commonplace thing in the world, which they are. Obviously, uh, they're written that way. But every time I've had an NPC use them, the players have always been really shocked. Um, there was a particular game where they arrived. I think it was in the Interregnum, actually. Uh, yeah. The characters, or the crew, I suppose. I'm trying to avoid characters. The crew arrive at port, and one of the NPCs is like, hey, you shouldn't be here. You should leave. And the crew are like, we're not going to leave. So, okay, then you can stay. And used a whisper to kind of thorn chain their ship to the dock so it can't leave. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, in a few days, it's going to crush your ship. Um, that's that's life. Sorry, guys. You know. Um and everyone was like, he he can't do that. And it's like, no, he <laughs> he literally can. Like he had a whisper. <laughs> like that's that's what the whisper did. He can't do it again, but like he he did it. Our, our ship was great too because we loaded it up. I think we get like three whispers every time we uh, we dock or something, yeah. or or is it like three things you of get, salvage? Yeah, you two get whispers, two specimens, and a whisper every time you dock. Which is is just wonderful. Our we ship also get is such a resource farm. Yeah, or or if we just uh, cut a path, which is like the the slow movement, we also get whispers. <laughs> it's uh, so um, good. There's, yeah. Oh, didn't you make a still for your ship? We did. Yes, yes we, we did. Did, and not just a still, also a disco. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we so on our ship. I don't know if you've gotten to the disco episode yet? I not? don't think I've gotten to the disco episode, no. I've, I've had okay. room full of moths and still. Yeah, so the still we created because, I mean, the char and the steep are just such amazing <laughs> characters. I, like, it's wonderful. So I thought, like, besides the galley, what is a cool thing for the ship? And so we made the advanced distillery. Take a montage action to turn any specimen into a liquid with the pure tag. And yeah, just work something as a still. And so I think, uh, what does Jison have? Jison has, he has pure oh, yeah. Gator Scorp poison, which he distilled. And I think he also distilled, I, I think you guys distilled some perfume. And you've distilled... I'm not going to give away spoilers for the last episode because Felix, yes, please, I really please hope don't, you can... I'm looking forward to hearing it. <laughs> yeah, I really hope you listen to it, but uh, I believe he uses the still to make something in the last episode. <laughs> oh, and... I'm, I'm going to listen to it. I'm engaged in the story now. Like, I want to know what it's, happens. It, the, the still makes something, and the something goes off the rails. It's it's good. I'll I'll just leave it at that. I'm just okay. That's it. <laughs> also, um, it, it's. This is going to make me sound really sad. Well, I'd say anyway. Every now and then, I kind of forget that I made the game when I'm listening to you playing it. And then you'll reference something directly from the book. And I'm like, oh, I wrote that. (laughs) And it's just just this really nice little moment. Because you're so off script, um, using your own kind of reaches and your own stuff and the Sornanas and like, you know, you're, you're, you're doing your own thing. Um, and you don't intersect with the stuff in the book that much until an aspect or something similar comes up. Um, and I, I love that. 
It's I'm, it's just a genuinely nice kind of fanboyish feeling. It's like, oh, they're, they're talking about my thing. Yay. That's that's actually really awesome to hear because we, we tend to take systems and we tend to break them. And I don't know if creators are always too happy with how we break their systems. If so, a creator isn't happy with how I break their system, I just do it more. Like, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're, you don't pay my sub. <laughs> Yeah, I think no, I so think it, it, these things exist to be broken. Like, yeah, I like I won't play Exalted with the Exalted system. I I will do it with almost any other system, but I will not play Exalted mm. with the Exalted system. It's not going to happen. There, yeah, there's different systems, and they like <laughs> the setting lends itself to certain things. Like the Wild Sea, just it it could Such be a played good scaffold. Like, we could uh -huh. play the Wild Sea with Fellowship, and we might end up doing it one day just to see how it goes. Because the, the setting alone is such an interesting setting. But the way you've designed the system, the system works so well with the setting, but it also could work with other settings. As I say, we're going to try and do a monster setting, um, and we'll probably end up running something else eventually too. But it's just... I. I I must say I like the system. It it feels like an like all the best parts of uh, all the best parts of fellowship and all the best parts of just traditional D and D. It, it it mashes them together nicely. Well, I'm glad you enjoy it. I mean, I yeah. I, I I could lie and say I enjoyed making it, um, <laughs> but I I didn't. You <laughs> know. No, there that's were a fair. lot of iterations where everything went horribly wrong before I settled on stuff that worked. I like Austin can attest. Austin and I attempted long time ago to make a, a Pokemon game, hmm. and whilst we finished the game, and I do, I'm happy with the result. It's it is very a, playable. It <laughs> it is very playable. <laughs> What is it a dumpster fire? Oh and... man, it is just a smelly dumpster fire. Yeah, yeah. I'm just gonna nudge you and say <clears throat> tiny mechs here, bro. Like, yeah. Oh like, yeah. I've also worked on another another tabletop system with Gisa Dylan with uh, with like mechs. It's it's a nightmare. It is it's an endless endless fountain of energy that you just pour in, and the fact that you have suffered to this extent, so that we have this amazing tool here is is so great like again this this has been the most fun that i've had role playing in a very long time and i'm looking forward to running my own sessions of it in the future oh thank you i'm really yeah. honored i mean that's that's always nice to hear um you know that that being said i i, I did make a role-playing game called triassic fun center which is a completely original idea <laughs> yes it sounds and good. uh it's it's playable <laughs> i think <laughs> uh it's yeah. like um, what if Jurassic Park, but you're like a churro salesperson, and then all the stuff happens? That sounds quite fun, though. <laughs> like, I would play yeah. that. I mean, the, the, yeah. to be fair, apart from the Wild Seed, the only thing I've made, although I haven't distributed it because I'm terrible at that kind of thing, was um, a like what ten minute micro game called "Congratulations, You've Gone Zero Days Without a Serious Accident," <laughs> uh, which is 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 based around. Sounds hilarious. It was surprisingly fun the few times we've played it. Um, but it's just based around like the concept of uh, Rube Goldberg machines in uh, industrial settings. So every player is um, a character who has a seemingly innocuous item which will lead to their eventual death at the end of the workday. 
and it's it's just playing the horrendous circumstances that kill everyone. It's not the most cheery game in the world, except cheeriness is enforced because it's based specifically on those like eighties work safety videos. So oh yeah, like the like the old like hello children, do you yeah. want to stay safe today, man? Exactly, I've it's seen... all based on that kind of stuff, but it's just I've, oh, I've seen fun. some such oh. good ones. Oh man, there's a German one that's amazing. It like ends with like a, an impaled dude who's cut in half with a chainsaw. Oh. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and, but, like the the driver the driver of that lift is like decapitated and driving away into the sunset. It, <laughs> I and it, laugh at that. That's and it, and it took about an hour to build up to that. <laughs> oh. Don't don't oh. don't do things out of permit, people. Pay attention. I yeah. think I'm just not going to work for that company. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'll I'll throw that micro game out there at some point. You can have some fun with it, maybe. Yeah, it was, it was it just sounds that, It's so far to... from the Wild Sea in so many ways. Uh, you've seen how we play the Wild Sea. It's really not. <laughs> yes, okay. It's so far from the <laughs> Wild Sea in so many ways. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it, it, we we've had a lot of fun doing the wild sea, and it's it's interesting to hear that you yeah you think we've gone off the rails and done such different things, but in the nicest we, way, you understand? Yeah, no, no, I, <laughs> I, I, I yeah, but as as you say, like you know, the one campaign where they just did an Iron Chef tournament, yeah, that was that was awesome, that was wonderful and amazing, and still done in the so yeah, it, it's it's neat that it can lend itself to so many different things. The thing yeah, well, is too is it's uh, oh, it no, was funny sorry, how you go, mentioned yeah. oh, it was funny how you mentioned the Iron Chef and a music competition because I think we've mm. had both of those kind yes. of in our that's, in our that's, thing. That's just G-San. That <laughs> yeah. description. That's all because of G-San. That's just him. Actually talking about uh whispers used by NPCs, I believe it was Portobello who used a whisper to just leave a room. <laughs> <laughs> was this Honestly, after he was beaten? Yeah, yeah. Yes. Can... Portobello, man, like yeah, what like... an NPC! You want to yeah. talk about your favorite being uh, Tums Tums? Like, yeah. like actually getting to play against Portobello has been one of the most satisfying challenges <laughs> of my entire life because it's just it's just me and Ian sitting across the board, right? And we're looking at each other, and he's just like, "Oh, you're it's on, like it's time now. We're in full mental duel mode." And he just I can't get around his power. He just like he stylishly outwits me. And now Portobello is like one of my favorite creations ever. Oh. Has Gomez met Portobello yet? I, don't, I can't remember no, if he actually we, has. We've deliberately kept Gomez yeah, away yeah. from Portobello. <laughs> Not gonna lie, I was in the grocery store yesterday and I saw some Portobellos, and there was a little part of me that wanted to buy them just so I could like defeat them. Yeah, <laughs> it's just be Port- like you. <laughs> Portobello you- was up there with the pettiest use of a of a reality altering whisper I've ever seen. Yeah. I can imagine like cooking the portobello mushrooms and being like, ha, huh, you've been defeated. And you take a bite and you're like, damn it, it's delicious. <laughs> <laughs> You'll get indigestion later and then who has the last laugh? <laughs> oh, yeah. This is um, the best meal I've ever had and I'll never be able to have it again. And the portobello's in the next room like, you'll never be able to kill me in a way that matters. <laughs> 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 so, with, so, with, oh, oh I, I, I actually had a question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I, uh, to all of you, in fact, separately, individually, um, mm. what, what have you found yourselves making to add flavor to the world? Um, like, not like, oh, what's the thing you've made that best stands out, etc. Just, just what are the things that you find your mind naturally drawn to when you're talking about bits of the world that don't appear in the book? Because one of the things that I found the most interesting in one of the recent episodes was a, a throwaway question about how a gal would sweat. <laughs> oh. And because I, yeah. I just never considered it. And it, it really grabbed me. I was like, oh, my God, that, yeah, that makes sense. Maybe they would just shrivel up. Like, that's horrible, but it makes perfect sense. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's my throw-out question to all of you, is, like, what are the bits you've made that you've enjoyed? That have nothing to do with me. <laughs> I, I really like the concept of, like, Chelicray spawning below and coming up. Mm. Just to give them that more, like, bestial, uncivilized thing that people seem to view them with. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I, I agree with your comment of like, Jison has played the Gao so well, and his comments of like, as a Gao would you know smile at you, or as a Gao would frown, and I, I agree those those kind of comments. I've I've really enjoyed the back and forth with Jison on on those parts. I just like injecting technology into the sitting. Because, like, it, it almost sounds like it's like, oh, yeah, it's just all bows and arrows and maybe some muskets. And I'm like, no, 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 no. There's broadband radios. Like, <laughs> They're still there. Like, we're full on we're full on diesel punk, honestly, in our setting. At least yeah. And I'm entirely happy A- with that. Actually, it's diesel <laughs> punk. Diesel <laughs> punk, yes. Oh, <laughs> all right, I'm leaving the call. Everybody have a great night. <laughs> oh no, I, th- I think my wife line might be about to drop. Wow. Uh, yeah. uh, my wife is shaking her head too now. <laughs> I've got a pun in edgewise. I've I've succeeded for the night. Oh, that was so good. Um, also, like, I really enjoyed Ian's like the forced contemplation of like how do skin farms work. I don't want to think about. I really that. like that. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was that was a uh, surprisingly dark. That one was a. I, I didn't even plan to go that dark, too. That's the thing is, I was like, okay, uh, oh, I know how it started. So I was on Discord, and I was reading something. Someone was mentioning Chalicray, and then someone was like, oh, it'd be really cool to do like a gangster heist kind of, you know, game. And then someone else was mentioned something about like the mob or something. And from there, my mind just went, okay, well, what if the Chelicray had a mob? Because a mob of Chelicray, like that's a hilarious pun unto itself in my mind. <laughs> and then I went, okay, well, if they had a mob, maybe they'd create this kind of a thing or that kind of a thing. And then, you know, what about how do Chelicray get skins? And there was some talk on the Discord of like, oh, what if there's this communal like civilization that lives in partnership where the ancestors pass their skins down to the Chelicrae newborn and it's this beautiful rite of passage and it's nice and friendly and it's done in a very healthy and good way. 
And I was like, yeah, what if there what was if, the opposite not. of that? <laughs> yeah. What if, what if none of that? <laughs> this beautiful vision of unity. How about we make it oppression instead? <laughs> and yeah, so I was like, what if, what would be the exact opposite of that? Because because for everything, there's got to be an opposite, right? Like it's, it just, it adds depth to the setting. Like if you only have light, happy moments in your setting, it doesn't give you the depth. So I'm like, what if we add the opposite? And then it just kind of spiraled in my mind. And all of a sudden I'm like, oh, I just made skin farms. This is bad. We need to stop this. This is, oh boy, what did I do? It's okay, Ian. You can ride shiny into the afterlife. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, so I just, I, I kind of ran with it. And it actually set us up nicely for season two, which hopefully will be us or them taking down the skin farm and like liberating these people. A worthy goal. Yeah. And as we do all the side quests. <laughs> I keep saying what? Sorry? You keep saying forever war wrong. <laughs> That's true. Forever war. I, I don't think uh, Felix has gotten to the forever war yet. No, I guess yeah, so. Like, yeah, it's... like Wookiees have their life debt, which is basically like they find they find a human, which is basically a dog to them because Wookiees live for hundreds of years, and they're like, "Oh, this is a cute dog. I should really take care of it and like help it get better." And then the dog eventually dies from old age, but like humans just call it a life debt because, as far as they're concerned, the debt lasts for life. I no it's like that. that, but yeah. But but for the Ectus, it's like no, this is a forever war. It's never gonna go away. I'm gonna be mad about this forever. <laughs> this is the thing that I will complain to my grandchildren about. That's <laughs> his tradition. That's actually um, you you brought up uh things that we injected into the setting and the forever war. Again, unfortunately, you're not there yet, but that is a great thing that Jonathan created. And he just, it gave the Ectus such a depth in our setting. And yeah, it's, it, yeah. I always love seeing an Ectus character because the Ectus are criminally underplayed. Really? I love them. Every character I make is an Ectus. Yeah. I mean, I play Ectus most of the time when I'm playing a character in the Wild Sea too. Ectus, Ectus, or Chelicray, I think I usually go with. Um, Heliovore yes. is such a good aspect. Yeah, it was the first one. It was the first actor's aspect. Is in there like, even before the spines. Yeah, like like just the ability, like everybody else is like, man, I really need to take a heal action. I'm like, oh yeah, I've just been doing that. <laughs> I just I just do that, guys. Checks the weather forecast. Yeah, it yeah. was it's been sunny all week. I'm I'm back at full health. All of you guys need like a Pretty much like several days of bed rest. Oh, hey, hey, do you guys want to like chill out while I fix the ship? Like, that's fine. There, there have definitely been like full like, oh, it's gone like three campaigns. Maybe I should heal Rook because those checks have been there since like four games ago. Mm. <laughs> she's a war- she's she's you know she's she's a gear rabbit. She never she never stops. I'm uh... like one of those bunnies from the the battery commercials. Hmm. Yeah, I remember one time we were like, Rook, you, you, you need to sleep. <laughs> you need to stop. <laughs> what? <laughs> Rook, you need to stop is a common theme of our game. But like, stop not even in a bad way. Me. It's like, no, for, for your own good, you need to stop. We've, there's an entire episode where we just didn't, for her own yeah. good, let her stop. Like, nah, 
Just let her go. She'll wear herself out. Yeah, she's <laughs> like she, she's doing this other guilt. You we... guys will stop me, surely. Surely someone will stop me. Nope, you guys are just letting me go. <laughs> and I have committed Sitting to Sitting on this. the with some fresh cheese on popcorn. <laughs> really quick here. Uh, Felix, I see you're highlighting things. Do you want me to bring those up? Are you trying to... No, that's me. Oh, that's you? Okay, Austin. Yeah, I'm not highlighting anything. I'm, I'm, okay. I'm just lying on a sofa enjoying the conversation. <laughs> I'm just keeping track of it. Fair enough. I, I just see I see somebody highlighting it, and I didn't know if I shared this with the group or not, I, so I, for some reason, thought it was Felix, and I'm just like, okay, somebody's highlighting these questions I have on the sheet. Is this a subtle hint? I don't do well with subtle hints. We've talked about this. <laughs> no, believe me, if it, I'm... I'm enamored with the fact that you think I am an organized enough person to be highlighting potential <laughs> questions. I am literally lying on a sofa at 4.50 in the morning. Uh, like, oh, I'm not highlighting anything. <laughs> okay. Okay. Then I, I, I'm glad to know that I can just yell at Austin later. It's, that's, that brings I'm me joy. I am used to it. As is tradition. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I guess... Uh, one of the other topics on Discord that's been brought up a lot is the discussion of skills. Oh, I knew and... as soon as you met, I knew you were going to say skills. I know, I know. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I really am because this this has this is not even a dead horse at this point. This is like full on fertilizer that has regrown into a tree that they're now beating. So, like, like uh... fun fact about me, uh, I have a tattoo on uh, my inner upper arm. And uh, it's, it says the horse is dead in like big wanted poster print because oh boy I like to complain about things a lot so let's begin See, for a terrifying moment there I thought you were going to say it's the skill list it's the skill list like, Jesus Christ that's a big tattoo uh, oh okay so like I, I used to write white wolf character sheets uh -huh. by hand including all of the circles and uh, oh. I would. I got it down to like three by five cards with enough room for like descriptions of powers. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> so then I look at character sheets online. And I'm like, these are dumb. I can do better. <laughs> look at all this wasted space. <laughs> I will say most of my, even though we have those, the very nice interactive play sheets, a lot of my kind of quickly made characters for the wild sea are still just made in notepad. Mm -hmm, I can see that. Yeah. I just yeah. got used to it over the years. But I like the skills, though. Like This game has really solid skills. It, it oh, does, oh you've I, just like, earned the enmity of half the entire Discord. <laughs> like, the every time I hear complaints about skills, it's always, it could be better. It's not, this is bad. Like, 3rd edition D&D, &D, it was bad. 3.5, why is stealth still separated into two skills and uh, perception still separated into three skills? Why? Why do you keep doing this? In this game, it's like no, no, no. We we got it. We got basically everything here. If 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 you don't see a skill that uh, describes the thing you're trying to do, pick one and make it that skill. It's fine. Don't add more skills. See, I understand where a lot of people's problems with the skill list come from. And if I were not the one that had made it, I think I'd probably agree with them. In a way, yeah. Like I'm, I, I'm slightly hanging myself by saying that, but no, I. But like, but like I, I get it. Like, this comes out, it's okay. 
yeah great okay just cut this whole section um (laughs) no but like it's one of those things if i could if i could shrink if i could shrink the skill list and make it as evocative i would happily do it but people i've tried um people on the discord have definitely tried and there have been some some improvements and a few things have been cut out and there are a few things that are being considered to be cut out or rolled into one thing um and i'm very much trying to go through like a a kind of kill your darlings process with the rules like just because it's there and it works doesn't mean it's good just mean it works doesn't mean you can't experiment with it doesn't mean i can't throw it out Mm -hmm. yeah Um, and but i still haven't been able to effectively cut down the skill list by any real margin without losing something essential i feel that's that's the key because when you like sure it's cool to have a like a small skill list or a small pool and you're like we have no unnecessary things but at the same time you then end up if you go too small you end up stacking everything into one skill and it's pointless not to have that skill yeah so there's games a lot of games will have perception or dexterity for example and if you have a zero in that stat your character's useless and there's also sorry sorry uh, just really quick here yeah Um, yeah, yeah, go ahead yeah so like if you don't if you have a zero in that stat your character's useless and if you have a you know max in that stat your character's the best and it's like okay well why do any of these other skills matter what's the point i always use this one so in some ways i do agree that you need options like for example in the wild sea uh and this is not a don't don't take this as anything other than just you know a discussion but you have (laughs) i'm I'm readying myself already (laughs) speaking of hanging yourself (laughs) no i'm gonna get the full everyone's gonna be like and sponsored by nobody's cancelled we don't like now we're really sponsored by nobody (laughs) wow Um, (laughs) but like you you have shoot and you have strike yeah and up until hex came along that was basically your only two combat skills quote unquote and so whilst there's some really cool things you can do with non-combat characters for example jison punching people with salt flavored chocolate and doing salt damage it's beautiful which which is amazing no it was such a waste i wanted to eat it so badly (laughs) (laughs) but like it also means if you do play because some people play combat oriented games so if you don't put any points in strike or shoot you now have a pointless character so having only two options is limiting i know but at least you have two options versus if strike and shoot was just an attack skill you know what i mean then why wouldn't i take an attack skill because otherwise i can't do damage and it i oh sorry i was just gonna say like it like the, at some level, you need granularity, and you're never going to please everyone, no matter what level you get to. So, yeah. But go ahead. Sorry. No, that's absolutely fine. Um, so, I I I remember an issue I had in a system a while ago, like years and years ago, where I went to the people who were running the game and I said, "Hey, I, w- I want to take heavy weapons." 
as like a skill. Like my character was in the army, and I just realized that secondary skills are a thing that exist and you're apparently using now. So I think I should have this. And they were like, that's never going to come up. You don't need that. And I said, okay. And then a week later, I was someone brought a machine like a machine gun on top of a building and i was like i jump on the machine gun and use it and they were like well you don't have the secondary skill and i lost it <laughs> i was like are you kidding me so the skills are fine there's 25 skills 25 skills is enough to basically do everything it's it's fine you don't need more and cutting it down is hard yeah like cutting it down is hard like oh. the discord could fight me 25 <laughs> skills is fine okay. um I, the only thing that I, I get a little iffy on is like languages costing as much as a skill. Oh, but, that's a whole like, different discussion. But but <laughs> yeah. like like that even that that could be solved by just like hey, are languages important? Can we just have like two extra points that we just put in languages? Yeah, cool. All right, like that's you know that's a game to game thing. Like that's such an easy fix for anything, or even just like like you could just add a side panel of like languages, or like Maybe it turns give out more the, points. the whole world speaks Loso. Yeah. yeah, like it's fine. <laughs> it's not important. This game's fine. I mean, well, bless the, PT um, for his signaling. That's all I'll say. <laughs> the skills thing I find really interesting, um, especially the combat skill stuff, because strike and shoot was some, two of the last skills to be added, um, and they were added after initial playtesting. Oddly enough, hmm. because before that, you just used whatever came to mind for the situation. Usually. Um, it was things like hack or break, but occasionally we had people using cook or uh, wave walk for things like attacks. Um, and I was always fine with that. It never bothered me at all. Because it, it's it's how you're flavoring that action. Like, just because you are attacking doesn't mean that attacking is the only thing you do. It's not a turn-based system. It's a focus-based system. So if you're describing how you, like, leap out onto the wave, swing around a branch, then come down on the head of this kind of octopoidal horror threatening your ship, and then I say, okay, you roll it. And someone goes, okay, can, can I use wave walk for that? Hell yeah, you can. You Go for it. That's really cool. <laughs> Like, I don't care if you're good at fighting, like TM. You have done a cool thing. You have used one of your skills to do a cool thing in the narrative. Use, use whatever you can. But with that said, there were, in early playtesting, some players who were just like, I want to make a combat character, someone who's just good at fighting. Like, not just good at it as in that's the only thing they do, but just good at it as in in any situation, they are going to reliably be able to land hits. And that's where strike and shoot come from. Strike is the, it doesn't matter what you're doing in melee, you can hit people. And shoot is the, it doesn't matter you're doing at range, you can hit people. Like, they are just the catch-all skills. Whereas when I make characters, I never really take strike or shoot. Um, I usually go with uh, hack or break, depending on what kind of weapons I'm using, because they are useful for other things. Yeah, they're, they're more niche in terms of actual combat but they they have that extra utility. And that's how I tend to think of skills, not as a list of things with complete predefined uses, but a list of things that my character is good at and that they can bend to other situations. Um, one, of, one of the most effective combat characters I've ever seen was a char who just used Cook to attack, and they did a great job. And they always made it fit the narrative, and I was fine with that. <laughs> <laughs> that's definitely something that the system does well is 
as you say, it, it's can you fit this to the narrative? Can I describe this? And I know, like, all of the players here have done several times where they're doing something, and then they go, can I use this? What about that? Like, can I roll with this for an advantage because of reasons? And I'm like, okay, let's let's do it. Let's figure it out. Um, Again, trying not to spoil too much, but there's an episode where Zitsi goes underwater and he uses the fact that most spiders' webs are uh, aquaphobic mm-hmm. uh, as a, you know, narrative device and gets some dice for that. So, I, yeah, as you say, it, it you don't need those skills. And as a firefly, I, I think it comes down to some people play games where there's a very definitive like this is the skill for this whereas other people play games where it's more freeform yeah and it's bringing people into that freeform mindset where you can say you know like no cooking is not just cooking cooking is whatever applies in that situation you know again jison punched a ghost with chocolate bars that's that's cooking <laughs> that like and yeah. i i am yeah i am fine with that i it's weird because it's one of the things that has deviated the most from my kind of early gaming chops i guess because call of cthulhu is not known for its small skill list um I can't remember how many skills were they were in Call of Cthulhu, what, 6th edition, 7th edition, whatever it was. Um, but it was a lot. Um, and it took up most of the character sheet. And I always remember in one of my first games trying to do something and being told that, sorry, although you're using a computer, you actually need the accounting skill for this particular thing. And wondering <laughs> yeah. what kind of person would give their character the accounting skill in a game of Call of Cthulhu. Like, I I don't want to throw shade at anyone. Uh, like, I'm sure these people exist, but I've never, ever met one in all the time I've played Call of Cthulhu. I've played for, like, six years, a couple of games a week. Um, so, so, like, full disclosure, uh, my, my first character got shot in the face. I had three constitution... Uh, they were like, you take nine damage. It got around to my turn, and they're like, what do you do? And I was like, I died. <laughs> I, I, had, I had eight hit points, my dude. I don't know what you want from me. Yeah. <laughs> I got shot, and everybody ran away. I I, I, I don't get up. So next character, I, uh, I rolled Superman stats, hmm. and I rolled really young for age. Because I think age was ri- uh, rolled. Don't quote me on that. I won't die on that hill. That's all right. It's been a while like, for me as well. I, I wouldn't say yeah, yes or like no. nine years ago. So, I had a lot to play around with, and in Call of Cthulhu, you can age yourself to get more skill points. Mm. So, since I started young in the 1920s and had really good, like I had like a really good like mental stats, and really good physical stats, I could actually take the hit to my physical stats to age my character up to being 81 years old. <laughs> so I was like, all right. So like they were 15 years old and like marched as a uh, as like a young uh, youth uh, minister to the Battle of Gettysburg. That's a thing they did. <laughs> Perfect. Um, oh. And uh, 
Yeah, I had I had accounting. I I also had astronomy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've taken I've taken astronomy before. <laughs> like like I, I had like I uh, I made a handyman character. It was great. Like it's like we open up a house and like oh the the lights don't turn on and I'm like oh well, like fuse boxes in the basement. Hang on, let me get the halogen lamps out of my truck. <laughs> we'll light this place up. You never want to go into a dark place. <laughs> you you can never trust the floors in these in these buildings. <laughs> like. I took it's home so inspection. Good. Yeah, it turns out uh, a handyman really uh, eats into the horror aspect of Call of Cthulhu. <laughs> I, li- I like that idea, though. Like, oh, the basement—it's pitch black. No, it's not. Yeah, I, I, not I, anymore. I, well, the lights start to flicker. Oh, hey guys, we should get out of here. Uh, I know that my equipment is tip-top sh- in tip-top shape, so the fact that these lights are flickering means that something weird is going on. Let's go. We're out. So this is a really weird tangent, but have any of you ever seen what is it? Paranormal Home Inspectors, I think it's called, or something. <laughs> no, I feel like I've seen no, it, so but I've never seen it. No. Okay, so terrible show. It doesn't like the, the show in general doesn't matter, but it's a show where they have like someone come in and say yeah that uh, we think our house is haunted and then they come and look at the house and go oh it does feel a bit scary um and then and then they have like a medium doing the whole like oh yeah i can like there's the ghosts of murdered twins oh, in this house God. but they've also got a handyman who just comes in and goes oh yeah there's a this different kind of paint on the wall over there makes it look a bit like a shadow with the lights off or oh that door's hung on improperly look it's an opening <laughs> yep open now hasn't it it's not a ghost it's just the hinges and but, <laughs> but they put they put the they put the handyman before the final thing so like in the process of the show is this is a very scary house. Oh wait, no, it's not at all. Now you've got to try and scare me again, and it just doesn't work. I've already broken the illusion. Uh, not gonna uh, yeah. not gonna it's just—it's so good. Uh, it sounds like the perfect show. You just watch twenty-five minutes and you don't watch the ending. Sounds yeah. like um, there. There's a place that I used to have to go to for work a lot. It's a no longer in use um, mental hospital from way back when back mm-hmm. when that sort of thing was used for horror movies um, so yes. yeah. it's it's apparently the one of the most haunted locations in the area um, but just walking around that place all the time with like um, the the people who the who take care of the the space is mm-hmm. hilarious because you get people who like try to sneak on to like try and find ghosts and like you know like teenagers who dared themselves to go into the building and you know like people talking about all these supernatural experiences and the caretakers are like yeah no like people saying like i walked into this room and i felt a chill and they're like yeah we don't heat that wing guys. <laughs> I, I heard a sound from down the hall yeah somebody was yeah probably we were there. vacuuming you know <laughs> the greatest thing is also did you know that if you um go into a condemned building the police won't go in after you because you know it's condemned so they'll just like yell at you. So you know, like they'll get people all the time who like try to break into this building. It's just like, yeah, you need to come out, and the cops. We're just gonna wait for you because there's black mold in the building, and the floors might collapse. So do what you want. Yeah. We'll be out here. Like you being in there is shortening your lifespan. Yeah. You should come out. <laughs> we're doing you a favor. Yeah. People who actually work in spaces that are apparently haunted are always really fun to talk to because they're so mm-hmm. cynical. It's great. 
I love the people who are like, well, we want to really be scientific about this. And then like skeptics are like, ooh, you really don't want us to do that. You really don't want us our help with that because it's not going to go well. <laughs> like, well, how do we know that this house is haunted? Well, have you looked at a non-haunted house? Have you taken readings? <laughs> have you noticed that they're very similar? <laughs> right. <laughs> but what, what if it was a ghost that was doing the hoovering? Now, you know what I do like? Yeah, what I if the vacuum it. was run by the ghost? What, what if, if the ghost turned off the AC? Ghost, right? <laughs> so, the ghost was born! And wildly, and wildly, I love that ghosts just exist. Right. In like At least in my head canon. Yeah, yeah. They, totally they exist do. super casually. Like, they're casually. just there. I love I love it, and I love... And I, I have enjoyed playing somebody who sees it and hates it. Just like, no, stop, <laughs> don't. And we're just like, hey, Rook, are there ghosts yes. here? Yes. And Rook's like, yeah, and we're like, okay, cool. <laughs> I need all of you. Because ghosts, ghosts just happen. <laughs> well, one of, one of the um, one of the last things that happened in uh, the January Plus campaign, which is uh, a more private campaign, I guess. It's mostly for testing out uh, milestone rules and things, so it's it's kind of an internal thing. But it's it's not internal players; they're just people from the Discord who are like, yeah, I'll give this a try, and I'll try this stuff, new stuff out. Yeah. Um, but one of the things they did was that they were attacked by the Kiatico pirates, who are the pirates that use ghosts as part of their thing. Um, and they killed one of the Kiatico pirates on their deck. And the Kiatico pirate law is that when you kill a Kiatico pirate, if the body is not recovered by sundown, it will rise as a ghost. And it did, just stuck on their ship, haunting them, <laughs> but unable to touch them or really do anything. So it just became they were haunted by the soul of a very grumpy pirate. Um, and it turned out that instead of kind of exercising this ghost, they made friends with her over the course of the next few episodes. Yeah. And we actually had a surprisingly nice time just with the fact that, oh, yeah, the ship's haunted, but it's fine. He's all right, really. He was trying to kill us, but, like, these kind of things happen at sea. <laughs> Right. Stockholm syndrome, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, in a <laughs> What's nice he way. Who's abducting who? All right, it's not Stockholm syndrome in this case. It's stuck on syndrome. Ah! Oh, oh. Um, actually, bringing up ghosts. So you've listened to the episode where because Bev Brooke took the uh, Meyer, your ancestors whispered their disappointment. Yeah. Um, what did you think of? Rook's ancestors. Oh, that I mean remember. that was that, that's the problem. That's one of the ones that I listened to a while back. Okay. So I can't uh, remember the was... specifics of that one like I can like the last eight or so. They are there literal you know. shades. There so so Rook <laughs> plays the um techie kind of character. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And yeah. Dear and her ancestors are all jocks. So they whisper their disappointment in the fact that she can't lift heavy she objects. Even lift. I feel like I should remember this more than I did. I'm going to have to go back it, and it was, this it was, again. it was subtly implied. We didn't like lean into it too heavy, I think, in that episode. Oh, okay. We kind of planted the seed of that's kind of what's going on. Of just like, because the, the way the Ardents are described in the book is like very, like, they have had to become like stocky and athletic to survive yeah. in this crazy world. And she just kind of skipped that. And just became, you know, mechanical and stuff. So, like, yeah, she's she's fully got the ancestry of, you know, like, these hardened by their rough lifestyle ancestors. And she's just over here being a nerd who's like, you know, like, I can lift 40 pounds. 
on a good day <laughs> <laughs> thing. Um, so yeah, I think we should. I would love to lean more into the mm-hmm. to that oh, in season oh, yeah. two. Oh yeah, I think I think it's kind of like I, I like the idea of just her not liking ghosts, but like also really not liking them because her relatives suck and they're all mean. <laughs> they always show up to haunt her eventually. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's fair. And be like, I, I, I put together an engine made of bees. Pfft, whatever, we punch bees in the face. Yeah. <laughs> you shouldn't do that. Bees are really gentle. Also, how? They're a swarm. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. You don't make any sense. <laughs> High five. Shut up. Why are we even high-fiving? That wasn't a good burn. <laughs> yeah. That's because there's no fire on the sea. And then I guess uh, continuing on with some of the questions here, uh, have you? Oh, considered... they highlighted. Yeah, yeah, I got, I got some highlights. some of my favorites. Have Have you considered any crossovers or collaborations with other like developers and systems and such? So that you can talk about. Mm. Um, yeah. I think I can talk about this now because the contract's all signed. So, <gasps> um, breaking news! Uh, yeah, there is. Uh, I I don't want to give too many specifics about the actual content being created because it's still in its kind of rough stages. But Fair you enough. know, as a funny thing, we we could just like redact this whole part. It would just be like, <laughs> I mean, edit this, sound. This this episode won't go live for like what another. Eight weeks at least. So. That's how long you had to go. Wait, <laughs> it, stop! It, it may it may well have turned up by then. Actually, um, <laughs> in that case, I'll be a little bit more forthcoming than I went before. There is uh, back when I was creating um, the initial concept of reaches for the Wild Sea. Uh, I was playing a game called Nowhere Profit, which is a fantastic game. I don't know if you've played it. If you haven't, you should. Great game. Um, Profit. Okay. It is a, yeah, it's it's got a beautiful art style. It's on Steam. It's not too expensive, uh, and it is a, a kind of te- electro techno punk apocalypse with heavy Buddhist slash Indian vibes to it. Uh, like it's just a really beautiful world that is not explored very much in popular culture, uh, at least in the West, obviously. Um, yeah. And I, I just fell in love with it from the art to the writing to the even the, the basic gameplay stuff. I just really enjoyed it. Um, and I was one of their kind of beta testery type things. And I enjoyed doing that. Talked a little bit in brief to the creator. Um, and then when the Wild Sea stuff, when we got our, our money for the, the new reaches and I could talk to collaborators and contributors... I just thought, like, shot in the dark, this guy really helped inspire me. I'm just going to write to him and see if he wants to make a reach. And then he just got back to me the next day and was like, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> so, <laughs> Super um, chill about it. Yeah, and he is an absolutely lovely guy. Um, and I, it was one of those weird moments where... I spent the last few days before that with people talking to me going, oh, you're, you're Felix. You made this 
you made this thing. It's really cool. Like, I'm really impressed. And me going, oh, it's nothing. It's, it's you know, I'm glad you like it. Thanks. Um, and then I'm talking to this guy suddenly, and he's like, oh, I, I read over your stuff. I really enjoyed it. And I'm like, yeah, but you made Nowhere Profit. I love that game. <laughs> so I had complete role reversal. I had to get all my fanboying out the way. Um, but, yeah, we are, we are hopefully, um, I mean, don't hold me to anything apart yeah, from... Yeah, no, oh, no. I, I say that, hold me to the contract sign, so we're definitely... Um, <laughs> Someone's holding it to you. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's what's the law. Uh, we're, we're having a, a Nowhere Profit-inspired uh, reach, specifically. So it is a, a more kind of futuristic, techno-punk version of the Wild Sea um, with uh, kind of signal traps that contain the, the kind of dead... Well, I don't want to go too much into it, but it's it's very much a combination of spirituality and technomancy in a way that is just not normal for the rest of the waves. But hey, that's what reaches are about, I think. Reaches are about exploring the, the weirder concepts and the bits that, yeah, they, they might not be in everyone's sea. They might not be in most people's sea, but they're there to explore if you want them. Can they be in our sea? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, oh, that's definitely. like candy that, to me. Well, I mean, you've like you've amazing. kind of gone in the right kind of direction because you have the automatons and things down in the um, in the underreefs. Mm. Yeah, actually, yeah. I was going to ask because um, that was that episode we deliberately didn't roll dice and tried to make the system as narrative flow as possible. What did yeah. you, as the creator, what did you think? Because I know earlier you said you don't mind people not using dice when it doesn't need it. No, doesn't bother me at all. And I really enjoyed the episode. Um, I, to be fair, I didn't even notice that you didn't roll dice. I was just listening to the story. Uh, and that's, I think, is a, is, a, is a mark of quality for you guys. It's, you know. oh, that was such a fun episode. Yes. Um, I really enjoy it. it in particular, because and I was I was actually sitting in my living room with a friend, um, socially distanced, of course. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> house, We're gonna judge you for I, a I, second, but then we like, I can't I can't escape these people. I live with I them. listen to the BBC. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, now I was I was in the living room with a bit of friend, and I was playing Binding of Isaac. Uh, she was drawing, and the Underreeves episode was playing. And as I was kind of playing and listening and. She she just looked over and said, "You look really, you look really enthused." And I'm like, "Yeah, I am, because this isn't stuff I've made. Like this is just listening to a group tell a story set in my world. But I am just as surprised as anyone else at their table by what's going to happen because I don't know this place. This isn't mine, and it was great. I loved it. So <laughs> I would love to go back to the music museum sometime. Yeah, it was yeah. just so good." Because especially yeah. when when you um, when you were dropping hints about what things were, and then various people at the table would be like, oh, 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 and I'd be like, what? What have I missed? What, have, what is the thing? Oh no, now I get it. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah, talking about hints, um, that everything loops back to skin farms. Um, <laughs> everything comes back to skin farms. One you one thing I re- <laughs> one, one thing I really enjoyed as. The Firefly was the episode before I revealed the skin farms. I dropped a ton of hints, or I thought I did, and I, I let. The, and I also let the players roll so many dice to try and 
figure it out, and they just kept rolling ones and twos. <laughs> just watching just... around this town, being like, hey, you've got a lovely community here. And everyone's like, uh, yeah. It's true. Okay. Like I said, you all... yeah. Where's the shopping district? <laughs> oh, I'm like, where is it? Come on, let's go, let's go to a pub. Let's meet people and figure out why they're all staring at us weird. <laughs> Oh, that was. So I just give them a reason to stare at us. I'm so glad you have medicine now. <laughs> you can continue living your hell. Bunch of Ralphs show up. I helped. <laughs> We're heroes. Like I just there's there's sometimes I I personally am a firm believer in like fireflies, GMs, DMs, whatever you want to call them, should tell their players things and shouldn't have a lot of secrets. Yeah. But with that said. There are times where there should be deliberate secrets. Mm-hmm. And I really enjoyed that none of them <laughs> got that till the last minute. Because, oh, that was just too good. That's- it's like there were feelings of, like, something's not right here. We don't really know what is We don't have enough information right. yet to figure that. We're just yeah. kind of enjoying it. And I was like, oh, no, it's, a, it's crime lords <laughs> and their cello cray. And everybody here has skin. Oh, no. See... Weirdly enough, I think the the Chelecre might just be really well suited for that because in one of my uh, kind of middle of the playtest games where it was still oh middle of private playtesting, um, I had a about a seven or eight session campaign, just a short one, but it was really fun. Um, where it the the kind of end point hinged around the introduction of this person who was a kind of a gentleman explorer type and everyone absolutely loved them like they just loved them such a lovely fellow such a such a dashing chap um and they they were they heard about this person for the entire time and they couldn't work out why everyone else would actually pro them at all because wherever he went he just brought massive destruction and misfortune um but everyone just really liked him and it was that moment where they finally met him and realized that he was a chelicray puppeting around a gal skin and just pushing out massive amounts of hallucinogenic spores wherever he went. So everyone around him was just constantly drugged up. Um, oh. And in such a good mood, despite the fact that... And there was an entire battalion of people desperately trying to kill this guy because he was essentially doing the old um, like Jessica Jones-style things. Like, wherever he goes, oh, yeah, people yeah. just do whatever he says, and they're really happy to do it. Um, I, I have a nightmare idea now. <laughs> oh, no! A Chelecray who has taken a gow and has the spores... But like they're not the Chelicray's spores; they're the Gauss spores, so they affect the Chelicray. They're not immune to they're it. They're stoned oh, all God. the time by their own existence. Basically, <laughs> I'm also along on the ride. <laughs> Let's be real: the addition of hallucinogenic spores is one of those things that you know what you're doing when you put it in your game. There's no yeah. way that you can have that be an ignorant action. And I'm so hey. so glad that you included it as like such a raw base you're close to the neck so option. Yeah. It is one of the first things that you read. You're like, "Oh, what are aspects?" "Oh, I see." Spores. You could just have a lot of fun with them. Yes, I mean, please. They're yeah. so much fun. I mean, like we gave those gorilla guys the time of their lives. And now we've got friends friends forever. Worshippers, almost. Yes. Uh, I just, yeah. 
there are there are a few aspects that feel really core to the experience to me, and hallucinogenic spores is is one of the ones that crops up again and again and again. So I've obviously hit onto something good with that. People love it. Yeah, it's definitely a fun one. Can, I, it, the versatility of it is yeah. I yeah, I, got I just love the minion it. tasks. They're the the minion, they're the companion aspects. Mm. Oh, I'm glad. Yeah. Those are my favorite ones. I already Companion, have three. Companions were a, a late addition to Aspects. They were I love that they're added. companions everywhere. Right? Because like I'm, yeah. I'm the kind of person that like, you know, when, when you're creating a character, if there is an option to have an animal companion, I'm like, ooh, I want that one. And so then when I was when we started building characters for this one, you know, like I'm going down the sheet and I'm like, oh, there's an animal companion. Better get that. And then I go like the other levels and I'm like, there's animal companions everywhere. And the ship has animal companions. Yay! Yeah. Just like, I just want a menagerie, but I had to limit myself. Well, yeah, I, I was the kind of 3.5 player who always bought, like, from the, the gear list that no one really cares about, <clears throat> always bought, like, sled dogs. Mm. Because oh, why I've, not? I've done that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I played a druid who, like, my animal companion is a dog, because dogs have, like, 18 strength. So my dog has like 22 strength now. And also, here are a bunch of other dogs that I just train, and they use trip attack. Here we go. <laughs> the best one I did um, was a, um, a mounted halfling on the riding dog. Oh, mm -hmm. that's oh, classic. Using, oh, yeah. using the, la using the lance, lance crit build, so fun. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, my first draw from the deck of many things, back when I was in university, yes! played 3.5. Uh, I managed to get something which was like, hey, get a wish. And I was like, yeah, I want to turn this griffin into a dog. And, it, <laughs> and I did. And it was great. <laughs> it's like, nice. the genie, you could have wished for anything in the universe yeah. in the palm of your hand. Yeah, yeah but I wanted that and to it, be a dog. Because I, ha I yeah. hadn't been allowed to take a dog. I was. I <laughs> <laughs> you could have had the griffin as its companion itself, but no, you wanted a dog. <laughs> There was, there was a whole art where I was playing uh, Pathfinder. There was a whole art where I was playing Pathfinder um, as I believe her name was Avid Carnelian. Not that it really matters. I just really liked that character name. Um, and she was a something which I didn't really care about. But she had a cog because it was the closest I could get to a dog because I was specifically told no animal companions by the GM. Um so when I found a giant cog, I realized, like, that's what I have to do. I'm going to treat this cog like it's my animal companion, and it's going everywhere with me. Oh, and this was not this was not an <laughs> insignificant cog. This was like a waist-high giant bit of machinery. Um, oh, I just my. rolled it everywhere or dragged it behind me. And in the end, I pushed it down some stairs and killed some goblins, I believe. So it all worked yeah. out. Good, good boy. Reminds me of my first Pathfinder character. It was a Master Summoner who just masses amounts of beetles every time. I went just fire beetles, go! <laughs> Have you considered beetles? <laughs> if you can be Batman, be Batman. If you can have beetles, have beetles. Or yes. Yeah, I, like I didn't. I didn't I expect how much on Team B I would become in this game. Like when we were building the engine, I'm like, I just like the idea. Like when I saw the beehive option, I'm like, I am drawn to this. And then it just became a thing, and I love it so much. <laughs> I like I it way better just... than the A team. Right? Yeah, like, like I. <laughs> yeah, I love I... how we went from the Delta Flyer to this to uh, the Bow Breaker. Right. 
and then found out that it had bees powering yeah. it, and then we all were just so on board with Rook being Queen Bee. <laughs> I like being Queen Bee. And you had people riding bees as well. Yes. Yep. 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 Yeah, I assume you've seen the art we posted a while back. Yes, I yeah. think I did. There has been... I, I don't That's mean fair. to... Again, it, it, I don't want to toot my own horn. There's, no. there's a lot of stuff that happens on the Discord, and I, I can't it, stay as up-to-date as I used to. That's fair. No, it, it moves It moves pretty quickly. I know I try and get on there every day or two just to see what cool things people have made. And yeah, there's a few times where I'm like, I'm not scrolling through all this. I... <laughs> This is it's not doable. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The yeah. latest is Salt Dave. <laughs> yes. Was I even That was a Yeah. No. Yes, I was talking about salt damage, but my phone was like You you mean Dave, <laughs> not damage. Watch out for salt Dave, we'll oh. get you. Yeah, I'm like, alright, well so it's like this guy salt with Dave. like anchor tattoos on his feet, hands and tongue. Who just has a rusting grump face, but is actually like a kind of like a teddy bear. Mm. People are like, "Hey, it's Salty Dave." He's like, my, "My name's not Salty. It's Salt, guys. Come on, <laughs> don't do that." Well, I think the Salt thing was because I was listening to that episode where you discussed salt damage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's important. Yeah. yeah, no, it was, and that was again going back. Jason punching a ghost with a chocolate bar, yeah. which is just. The, the greatest um, sacrifice. Like, we've we've all seen Supernatural. Fun. We know how this works. Uh, <laughs> what, what did it cost? Yeah. Everything. It did cost everything. <laughs> I'm, st- I'm still salty about that myself. Uh, uh, and I get a whiff of chocolate off my spear, and I have this like pang of longing in a thousand stomachs. Do you know what I've just realized? Hmm. What? This was a conversation about skills. <laughs> yeah, that's where this started. Um, yes, we have gone so far <clears throat> off the rails. <laughs> that's we're we're professionals here at Sponsored by Nobody. We we stay on topic. That's um, right. I mean, you bought you bought reaches it as well. So like, it's not like it's been all about. Uh, just the, the, no, thing, but, I, yeah. I I'm teasing. We, <laughs> I, you've listened to our podcast. We are not we are not great. <laughs> I was just highlighting how little I enjoy talking about skills. <laughs> That's good. No, that's fair. Um, skills are fine. Hey, Felix, I, don't tear up the skills list. Well, in 3.5, I played a character with a giant <laughs> cog. <laughs> uh, I guess I, I, I do have... Really? Not a um, sexual euphemism. Oh <laughs> These are the things we want to know. Everything is a sexual euphemism. I mean, have you seen us? That's I fair. Yeah. Think Felix, I think Right? I think the, the, the next episode, I, I think, for Felix, he's going to listen to is our beach you episode. made them better. Oh, the, yeah, the and... beach. I'm looking forward oh, to the beach. Yay! Mm-hmm. Oh, yay! Oh, no. uh, Attract this cactus. I feel so bad about my, my oh. non-idea that turned into into a whole thing, it which was, will become oh, understood such a later. good episode. I, well, so like, I so... apologize preemptively. <laughs> yes. Deep, so like, deepest apologies. <laughs> yeah. I have to say that like this is the first game I've ever played with any of these people. <laughs> And I don't know them <laughs> since like before this. I listened to a lot of podcasts that Ian was in, so I'm like, I I, I know about where Ian's bar is, kind of. I and I know it can probably go lower. It's oh, it's fine. Oh, it's it's oh. a rung. They're all rungs. The ladder just goes all the way down. Um. So whenever anything comes up, I'm like sitting here having a panic attack. Like, oh no, can, do I lean into this or do I back off? I actually don't know. Oh no. <laughs> I don't know how much I'm allowed to say. 
Oh no. Ah, <laughs> oh, no. It was. It was good. It, it's again it, it, no spoilers it, for Felix because he's. Yeah. I, I'm. Yeah. I'm excited. I. Part of me wishes I will try and get Felix on maybe as a special guest star sometime in season two or something. I'd love to and, do that. Yeah. Yeah, and we'll we'll definitely before we start the episode or something. I'm sure Felix will have some comments to be like, "What the heck, guys? What was Attractus Cactus? Like, why would you do that?" <laughs> and, because you need a beach episode. I know. I'm teasing. honestly, I would, I would absolutely do Attractus Cactus again, but mm. more. Yeah, that's fair. Attractus or Cactus? <laughs> Season two. Are you ready? Cactus uh, yeah. Boogaloo. And then also, I'm I am excited to hear thoughts on the final episode because there's some weird things in that one too that I think are it, it, yeah. If you've enjoyed some of the weirder things we've done, I think you're gonna like that as well. Yeah, well, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, but uh, I've been I've been told to inform you in no uncertain terms. I'm also starting to look forward to bed, seeing as okay, it is okay. now five thirty a.m. <laughs> I, yeah. I will ask you one last question, yeah, you and then we it. can be done. Because this is the this is the mandatory question that I must ask. Okay. Given the great success of your Kickstarter, yes. When is the second Kickstarter? Because I you need to hurry up on that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what I do with a second Kickstarter for the Wild Sea, anyway. Um, I'm I mean like full page monster manual. Eh. Uh, I, I, I would contribute to can't that. Turning say our characters much. into real NPCs officially. Just uh, <laughs> <laughs> that in there. I, I can't say much about monsters, and I can't say much about guest art. I will say the next Kickstarter update includes things about both, which is fun. Um, but I am very... This is going to come back to bite me. I am very <laughs> anti-monster manual. Really? But only for my own stuff. That's surprising because I, you know. I know it, it is, be, isn't it? It, it? it, like, it'd be really cool. And I think, like, not saying you need to do all the work, but, like, you can flesh out with the way that you have aspects, you can flesh out monsters to almost be a playable character with how aspects can be made so easily and efficiently and it'd be really again this is completely me dreaming and hoping and don't don't force into anything but it'd be really cool to have like a monster manual slash more playable character options almost kind of thing like just throwing a million extra aspects at like it, it doesn't need to be a because it's a supplemental quote-unquote thing yeah. so it would give just I I like having all that kind of platform to jump off of as a firefly. I know some people don't, but it's yeah, just you can make so many cool things with the aspect system and you've it's fairly grounded, so yeah, I don't know. I, I'm surprised that you're not a huge monster manual fan I, of I... your game. Okay, so I, I've I've read what is it, Fiend Folio two or whatever, like the one no one cared about. Um, and I have a specific memory of back in the 3.5 days, my GM at the time, or DM, I suppose, at the time, Greg, 
lovely guy. Uh, Craig introduced this thing, and he described it really well. This this shifting, pulsating mass of colors, um, and the other players around me were kind of looking at each other like, "I have no idea what this is." And then stupid me just went, "Oh, that's a prismatic golem," and I just mm. ruined the encounter. Not just for myself, <laughs> but for everyone. Because I had to metagame not knowing exactly what to do in this situation because I just read the monster manual. And I, I think a, sorry, lot of, a, a lot of the Wild Sea's charm comes from tackling situations that are unexpected. The, the true, not to get too highfalutin, but the true spirit of exploration and encountering new things. And I think that the bigger the, the selection of monsters I have, the more likely people are going to just take monsters and use them. And that is a good thing. That makes life easy. But I'd rather, rather than make more and release them as a, a big chunk, I'd rather have a robust series of tools for letting people easily create their own stuff or suggestions on, hey, here are some ideas, but there's no mechanics attached, or here are some mechanics with no ideas attached. Just things that people can use as a springboard to make their own things, which will always inherently surprise their players, because it's not something their players could have read about. So less of a monster manual, but more of a manual how-to monster. Yeah, that kind of thing I'd be way more in favor of. Basically just, you know, That's fair. a Dr. Frankenstein's how-to guide. Yeah. The fact that a They're lot of encounters, at least... At least, like, as far as I know, uh, like, you have tracks. So, like, let's say wolf, pit wolves are attacking the ship, and I'm like, I'm going to roll brace to, like, stop the pit wolves from getting on the mm. ship. That could still damage the, the track because the object is to continue the scene, not to kill the monster. Yes, exactly. And it, so, it is to survive and profit in some way from whatever's going on. Either, either yeah. get through it alive or get through it with something useful. Doesn't always involve mm-hmm. killing stuff. Or in fact, in a lot of games, it's turned out not to involve killing stuff, which has been quite nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think we've I very rarely killed things yeah. for the most. Uh, part. Actually, but we've got there. kind of a, a nature murder mentality. We may have not <laughs> yeah. had many opportunities, but we've taken the opportunities that have been given. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, those don't. Those opportunities don't just come every day. <laughs> they kind of do on the sea. <laughs> If life gives you lemons, take the lemons. <laughs> Wait, no, no we, the last time we, we talked about lemons, lemons, it went bad. Lemons are okay. bad. Lemon, lemon, okay, guys. Lemons okay. are going to take us. Right, right. Okay. If life gives you lemons, use a cast net. <laughs> well, also, when I, when I come out with, like, the Wild C2, more wilds, and it has, like, 400 new monsters <laughs> in it, feel free to call me a hypocrite and refer back to this, obviously. No, I... I... But it's, you'll be a rich hypocrite. It's it's fine. We're all gonna. We, this is all gonna be redacted, anyways. Hey, okay. No, I, <laughs> this like, is gonna be a bunch of bleep sounds and some, you know, connecting word <laughs> tissue. It's gonna be like getting yeah, on the like, internet in the nineties. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, right now, the, like <laughs> listeners are just listening to like anime OSTs or something. Yeah. There, oh, some oh. of the redacteds annoyed so many people. <laughs> That's fair. Oh, okay. Uh, oh, is it's that a redacted noise? It's just a cat. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that'd be such a good noise. <laughs> hey, Gomez, do you want to be in a redacted noise? I don't know. I just see, like, <laughs> as someone who struggles sometimes getting creative, I like having springboards mm-hmm. of, like, rough ideas to take from. Yeah. And so, yeah, I do, I do enjoy monster manuals just to use as 
rough ideas and then not use any of those monsters, if that makes sense. Yeah, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm fully in favor of of that kind of thing. Um, yeah. It's just always... Uh, it's hard it's to tricky. balance how much of my input people want in the wild sea, which I know sounds like a weird thing to say, maybe, but... No, I... It's, 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 like, it's like with the reaches. There's a reason the reaches are at the end of the book rather than at the beginning and, with the setting. It's because mm-hmm. they are yeah. optional. They're more detailed. They have stuff. Some of them have history, NPCs. Like, all this stuff is laid out for you. And for some players, especially for more traditional games, that kind of stuff is great. But for a lot of the early players that we um, we kind of grabbed, especially on the Discord, that is just anathema to them. They hate that kind of stuff because what they want is, here is your sandbox. Here are some pillars. Go for it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's definitely, like, I could, and again, not pigeonholing you into anything, but I could see a, you know, Wild Sea 2 being just reaches and monsters or reaches, monsters, and like, like those kind of extra things where if people want to pick it up, they can. And if not, it's just, it's, it's fluff, it's flavor. It doesn't need to be there, but it's there if you want something to kind of, go off of or you know see what other people have done other people being yourself and whatever creators work on future things but i have an idea for wild z2 it's called never sky (laughs) (laughs) and it's about the the civilizations that are still on the ground level that cannot reach the surface that's so a full exploration of the underreeves (laughs) yeah yeah The, the, the thing i said never to even think about <laughs> so like it's like all the aspects are well, yeah, like all the aspects do it, are coughs and coughs and rock shelter. I'll I'll do it. <laughs> Watch me. But I'm gonna start a Kickstarter God. right now. <laughs> well, we'll have an yeah. SRD at some point as well. So you know, go for it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, it's um, we're we're excited to see whatever you create next, or if you don't create anything. That's fine too, but I mean, you, you clearly you, it won't be fine clearly, for the bank balance. Yeah, no, I know. I, I, you know, I, you've clearly hit on something fun for a lot of people, and it it would be exciting if you did more. That's all. I'm yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, but, I I know. can't feel too pressured. The book isn't out yet, so no, no, I'm not. I'm not trying to. Put, no, I I'm, I'm as I say. It was the quote-unquote mandatory question because it's, you know, all those, like, when you ask, talk to creators and stuff, you're always like, what are you working on next? And yeah. it's like, guys, I'm still working on this. Like, <laughs> yeah, I was, the yeah. <laughs> what are you working on next? The same thing we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, no, it was, it was, it was, it, the question was meant tongue-in-cheek. So no, it's I, fine. I, <laughs> It reminds me of Rick and Morty when the when the writers did the did a song of what's taking season two so long, and it's basically we're drawing it. <laughs> if we released it now, it would be a script. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> um. Perfect. Well, I think we'll let Felix go back to bed. Uh, yes. Whatever he's go to bed. gonna yeah. be doing. Um. So I was Ian the Firefly, and we had. Uh, Austin, who plays Tsitsiyaku. Bev, who usually is Rook, but this time was just Bev. I'm Dylan. I'm G-Son. I'm your boy. 
uh, Gomez, who is our redacted sound. No, he's just running around doing that. That's so good. And we had our amazing, wonderful, and as I said, possibly the best guest star we could get, although they've stated that they're not the best, so I guess season two will be trying to get the best. Next yeah, get Rick. <laughs> it's, it's all about Rick. Yeah. Uh, who was... Oh, Felix. Me. Oh, yes, sorry, Felix. Yeah. <laughs> Felix Isaacs, that, that's me. It's really huh? late now. I mean, <laughs> We're holding the door open. You can walk out. We really appreciate you being here as your brain slowly yeah, dies. I, 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 I kept it up. I kept being awake throughout the entire thing, and then you're, you're doing the outro. My brain's just like, nah, it's time. You, you're gone. <laughs> uh, thank you for being here. We were sponsored by nobody. Signing off.